The Bearcat Basketball Podcast is now presented by the Healthcare Management Group. Shout out to everyone at HCMG, and thank you for the support. Welcome back to another episode of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former UC Bearcat basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the legendary coach, Bob Huggins, and I was fortunate enough to wear the iconic Jordan brand unis during my time. Now, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. I'm on Snapchat, at BigMeach41. And thanks to my producer, Stu, I'm now on TikTok, at Alex Meacham41. Now, this is episode 81, and we're going to call this the state of UC basketball. Now here's what we're going to cover this episode. We're going to review the 2020-2021 Bearcat basketball season in detail. We're going to discuss the opt-outs and opt-ins during the season. We will dive into the players that have jumped into the transfer portal, the fans' reaction to what's going on. We're going to talk about Coach Brandon and what does all this mean for the future of UC basketball. Now I couldn't cover all this without some special guests and some experts. So, I'm gonna start with my first guest. This former player was part of one of the most successful and popular teams in Bearcat history, color commentator for the Bearcat basketball team. And as always, I call him the triple OG of the Bearcat basketball program. And if you could find, in my opinion, if you could find one player to truly represent a basketball program, Terry Nelson represents Cincinnati Bearcat basketball, plain and simple. My guy's here, number 33, Terry Nelson. Thanks for being here, T. Insert the clap track here. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. Stu, Stu's got that. <laughs> we got DJ Stu going to put this clap track on this. The H, oh, he's got yes, the A-track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> From Long Beach. <laughs> Appreciate being here, brother. Thanks for having us, man. No problem. Uh, speak really quickly. Hugs just won his 900th game. And uh, obviously, we started the podcast a little bit late because we watched Huggins play against Syracuse and lost. But can you speak on um, Hugs winning 900 games and just kind of what Hugs meant to you? That's a lot. It's a lot of uh, lives he's affected. You know, Hugs is the coolest white cat I've known my entire <laughs> life. I grew up in Long Beach, California. We had gangs, and we, you know, I got in trouble for saying the cross sound shootout in my neighborhood as rival gang members going at it. Right. And, you know, he, I got that whole thing. We called me and brought me in and, and, and ripped me a new one. But for him to show up in my neighborhood and you know, it, everybody's hanging out. You know, in, in, in California, when ain't nothing to do in the house, your mom used to kick you outside. She yeah. had to go outside and hang. Everybody's hanging. He come in there, you know, with a sweatsuit on, giving me dap, you know, chest uh -huh. hugging me and all that stuff. And come and sit down and just as comfortable eating all my mom's food and, uh -huh. and made a promise that he was going to graduate me and take care of me. Like, just right in her face. Never looked nervous. Didn't look out the window. Right, right. I mean, he was just, he was cool. And then if once you got a chance to realize that this is the essence of who he is. Now, on the court, totally different. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hugs. Right. He changes personalities. But getting 900 victories, it's a lot of people that whose lives were affected for the positive. Some have ran with that, and some are still trying to grapple with how they're gonna deal with their life, but Hugs had a big impact on a lot of lives. For sure, and when he won that 900th game, talk about that scene. 
I mean, to see Eric Martin and Larry Harrison, who's been with him from the inception, Eric being my teammate, we drove down to meet Eric and Corey yep. in a Plymouth Sundance from mm-hmm. California all the way down here. What were you, listen, what were you listening to? Uh, we, you know, we had, uh, my name was D-Nice. Uh, we had uh, <laughs> some uh, Boogie Down Productions. We had all that stuff in the early yeah, early yeah. 90s, right? The cassette tapes. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. And then Larry Harrison, who was our big man coach, to have those guys in the inner circle grabbing hugs and then all of the players around him and they're grabbing him and they're jumping up and down saying hugs, hugs, hugs <laughs> and he's just standing there <laughs> looking thinking about his, he ain't moving whatsoever thinking about his bourbon and his cigar right, thinking about his bourbon and cigar man but uh, he's the coolest they come man he's, uh, he's the humble He's humble. Uh, he's everybody's best friend, and he was voted like three years in a row as the guy, the coach you most likely want to have a beer with. Absolutely. From the other coaches. <laughs> and he, yeah. he'd enjoy a beer with somebody. That's right. <laughs> and um, hopefully he's in the Hall of Fame very soon. He will get. Right. It, it'll happen. Yeah. It, it should be very, very soon. Thanks for being here, Terry. Uh, my next guest, standout high school basketball player here in Cincinnati, Ohio, for Summit Country Day. Played basketball for the Bearcats from 2013 to 2017 under Mick Cronin. He now does color commentary for the Bearcats. And, you know, he came on the podcast uh, a couple times um, this season. And when I think about Kevin, I looked at some of his tweets recently. And and my guest is Kevin Johnson. But when he tweeted out recently, I was thinking this Bearcat basketball team right now that just finished their season – if they could have a senior leader on this team, they needed a Kevin Johnson. I'd like to welcome in my guy number 25, Kevin Johnson. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Meech. Oh, you hit me with a cool voice. Yeah, you know, appreciate it, Meech. Appreciate it. You know, we got You're listening to Mellow appreciate Moods. It, appreciate it. Appreciate it. But no, seriously, man, uh, just, just happy to be here. And speak aside, I think, as a, as a, as a former player and not so far out, uh, just to get a perspective, I, I even seen a culture change, a generational change within players, um, and I also coach high school basketball. So it's it's funny to take a player perspective, which I've had not too long ago, um, and then now clash it in with a coach's perspective, um, coaching over at Summit Country Day, um, and then understanding that balance. Um, so just wanted to speak out and, and let people know that I think Players and coaches, good and bad, it all play hand-in-hand. Hand. Um, but it's some deeper things within your team um, that I think is what success is yeah. all about uh, when we talk college basketball here. Yeah, for sure. And you, like, like I said before, you played for Mick Cronin, yeah. and uh, Mick just won. Um, this one their game. Have you spoken with Mick in a while? Uh, actually, uh, we was talking uh, before the Michigan State game. Okay. Just before the Michigan State game. Um, and, and that's still my guy, man. Actually, one of the guys mm-hmm. – uh, they got me into this media thing as yeah. well. But even on the court, uh, just winner, winner. And I, I don't think – because and I was just talking to Keith about this. It's something you don't really expose. I think when you're going through this process, you kind of leave it together and it's a cult. Um, but learned a lot from me. Yeah. Uh, and I think winning is a formula. Um, and it's deeper than just going out there and just scoring 30 and just making it that easy. Yeah. Um, but, but but we'll hear a little bit about that as we get going. Man. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Appreciate you being here. For sure. Uh, my next guest, who's here as well. Um, now, if any reporter in Cincinnati, if you were to tell me any reporter had an R&B album coming out, <laughs> it would be this guy. <laughs> It'd be the smoothest R&B album of all time. 
He is the Cincinnati Bearcat beat reporter for the Cincinnati Inquirer. You can call him Key Sweat, but I'm gonna call him Key Jackson. Jenkins. Key Jigger, Key Jenkins, my man. Key Jenkins. I'm mixing up all my R&B people. Jackson was a great journalist, though. Key, so we take. Key Jenkins. How you doing, man? Appreciate. I'm you. good, brother. Um. I can't sing. I wish I could. I was going to ask you, can't you? If I could sing, I sing all the time. Bruh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> nah. I'm good, though. I'm good. It's good to be. We got a great team of perspectives here. Yeah. So I'm excited to get into a great conversation. For sure. And, and when you came on the podcast, uh, I believe twice, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I think we had a we had a great rapport mm -hmm. back and forth. And it's, it's great to have you in town reporting on the Bearcats. Um, and I said this before, and I said this on the podcast. It's it's also great that we have more black representation in sports journalism in, in greater Cincinnati area. So definitely very happy to have you here, and definitely want you on the podcast moving forward. I appreciate it. Now we always have a great time. We chop it up, and you know we keep it light and fun. But we also talk basketball and football and and and, yes. and latest news and notes around UC. So whenever you want me on, man, just say the word, and I'm there. Your your knowledge of uh, the past with, with Bearcat sports is very impressive. I wasn't even prepared that you had that much knowledge of, of Bearcat history. I mean, I understood you're a Bearcat fan, but yeah. I mean, you you really you really know your stuff. No, nah, I mean, you know, pops played football here, and then I was recruited to play football here as well. So, I mean, it was it was deeper than just a uh, fandom. Um, you know, family members graduating with UC degrees and. So it was it was it was a campus and, a, and teams and programs that I've been around my entire life. So when the opportunity came for me to come back and cover these teams and these programs and these players and these coaches, um, it was a no brainer. So I think it's a happy marriage for the Enquirer myself and for UC and myself. And um, this past week has been tough. Um, and we'll get into that, but yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm, I've been here like eight, nine months. I didn't anticipate seeing this so quickly, <laughs> um, but it, nonetheless, it's been fun. It's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Last but not least, wasn't sure if he was going to be here. My last guest who covers the Bearcat football and basketball for the front office news. I uh, had him on several times uh, during the season. He actually had me on his podcast. He quickly learned that if you not only talk about Bearcat hoops, but then start talking about shoes, you're going to have to make a two-part podcast. <laughs> he had me on a podcast. We finished up. He's like, yeah, I'm going to have to slice this into two different podcasts. <laughs> yeah, so now you know. Now you know you got sure. you got to make them two separate things. Sure. My guy, JT Smith, in the house. How you doing? Good, man. appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no problem. Now, you're, you're able to be here today because uh, your son plays baseball, yep. but he didn't make the championship game. Yeah. So I'm sorry to hear, but I'm happy you're here. I know it's bittersweet, man. Yeah. They, they, they represent well, you know, so it's all good. Sh shout out the team? Yeah, Cincinnati Tigers, man, 12 of you. 12U. What's, yeah. what's your son's first name? Julian. Julian. So he'll probably be happy if you hear this. He'd be like, Dad, you shouted me out. There you yeah, go. Yeah. You don't shout You don't shout him out on your own podcast? Not all the time, man. He'd be trying to sneak in there looking at me to record and stuff. Oh. You, you hear the door. You see the door open. You know I'll be doing the Zooms, and you see some yeah, yeah. kid peeking in. It's probably Right, him. right, yeah. right. No, that happened a lot during the <laughs> pandemic with the Zooms, like yeah. people running back and forth Hard in around. the back. Um, quickly, uh, as a group, um, anybody want to uh, – Talk about their bracket. Uh, <laughs> what bracket? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't make one. You, you I didn't, didn't make one. The USA Today called me an expert. I'm like, come on now, don't give me that. Don't, don't put that. Don't put that stress on me. 
<laughs> Don't put that stress on me. But I still got Gonzaga and Baylor in the finals. So, you know, Michigan. So we're rolling. Okay. We didn't think Illinois would lose today, though. Sheesh. Yeah. Sheesh. I mean, I, I think of all years, this is the year where you just have to throw a lot of stuff out of the window. Like I believe, Keith, you said before we started, Barack Obama had all number one seeds. And I'm like, this is the year you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something wacky is going to happen. And I, I was almost hoping um, that we would have a bizarre, not bizarre, but a very different looking championship game than we've ever seen. I thought that'd be cool for the actual sport. We still might. I mean, we still could. we could see a uh, somebody Oral Roberts or somebody just going a crazy run and yeah, for sure. The way they play, they are a tough team to be. I mean, they unselfish. They got a big man who's aggressive and can pass and shoot and like you said, look like Jokic a little bit. So that's an interesting team to watch for sure. And, and I think and, and Terry, um, sister Jean with with Lord, I think Bearcats need a sister Jean or somebody because <laughs> we got brother Tyrone. I don't know. He, he just, <laughs> He ain't been able to get out lately, you know. <laughs> COVID holding him down. He ain't got no got... ride. His ride ain't working. Right. Right, right, right. Uh, Tyrone, he, he needs some help. He need, he need a GoFundMe or something. He need, <laughs> <that's>... <laughs> need a sponsor. <laughs> Speaking of sponsor, this segment is sponsored by the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Cincinnati. That great segue. They have a new flexible bachelor's degree that will allow you to graduate conveniently and affordably. You won't lose any credit or have to start over. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into this past season, the 2020-2021 season. I'm sitting here looking at the roster at the start of the season, okay? I'm just going to read the names off to you just, just to refresh everybody's memory. David DeJulius, Zach Harvey, Keith Williams, Mike Saunders, Tari Eason, Mamadou Diara, Micah Adams-Woods, Jeremiah Davenport, Victor, I believe you say Lock, is it Locken? Yeah. Sam Martin, Chris Vogt, Rob Banks, Adam Cook, Mason Matson, Gabe Matson, Ivan Rapalos, Rapala, how do you say it? Rapalaskas, Rap. All those names. Okay, as I read those to you, what were your guys' expectations at the start of the season, looking at this roster, new guys in, some of the guys coming back, mixture of Keith and what I think people were excited about Chris vote at that time. What was your guys' uh, you know, expectations? My initial reaction, I saw that roster, I said, okay, we got some exciting guys that are coming in and going to compete. Uh, you know, I was wondering, but my biggest question was how, who was going to get, where they're going to get leadership from. Yeah. Keith's not a vocal guy. Uh, Chris Vogt's not necessarily a vocal guy. And, you know, Mamadou's trying to fit in. So it's not a good thing when new guys come in and become your leaders, whether they be freshmen or whether they be transfers, because they don't know the Bearcat culture. And the Bearcat culture has been set and established from Huggins era through the Cronin era. Mm -hmm. and, and all of a sudden you have the mass exodus when it's over. And then you have a new team coming in and there's devoid of leadership. So when you don't have leadership and nobody can trickle down the culture, when there's nobody teaching the culture, then you get whatever is happening this year. Like if you had a KJ on that team. Yep. And I thought KJ, and I told him this many, many times over, that I thought he was the best defensive two guard yep. uh, off the ball in college basketball his senior year. You know, how he would, Troy would, you know, bait a guy coming his way. He would steal it and then go get a two-hand dunk and everyone, you know, mm -hmm. like on the rim. I said, man, this guy, is, he, he's special. But during timeouts, it was Troy and it was this cat getting guys in the huddle 
talking to them, making sure they knew where they were, and, you know, being the buffer between the coach. Because Cronin is, you know, it's like a steak where you ain't got no teeth. You know, he, he, sometimes you can't take it all at once. Right. So you need somebody like, you know, like him. Right. And then so all of a sudden, you don't have that now. And so you got a coach who's demanding, and you got players who are not used to being pushed this way, and it was just, it was a cluster. Yeah. And, and KJ, he, he segued to, I think, a lot of good things. Um, talk about real quick your, your attention to detail defensively. Where does all that come from? Um, I, I'll be honest, man. It, it, and, and when I speak on this, it, part coach, part player. I think part of me and as a Midwest Hooper, and I know part of you, like Terry, you're around here, and Alex, you're around here too, I think it's part of who we are. Uh, like Ohio basketball, uh -huh. defensive-minded, not always maybe the most talented scoring, but hard. We're, we're hard on our sleeves. I think that's just kind of what you get out of a Cincinnati basketball player, which is why I see a lot of that in Davenport. Um, but also Coach Cronin, uh, dissecting defensive plans down, watching, uh, watching film, scouting report. And those are the, the details and what we believed what we were going to win by. Uh, when I got to Cincinnati, man, it's funny. Because I sit back and I laugh because I was watching uh, some highlights that la uh, last week from my senior year. And they don't know, like, this has been Mick Cronin's most high-scoring team, da 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 And, you know, I never paid attention to this back when I was playing. It's mm -hmm. just like, we're trying to win. And uh, I remember coming to Cincinnati my first year. And, man, we was, like, winning games like 47-49. Like, I'm not joking. We yeah. couldn't score a little. Yeah. So, so it's funny to yeah. see that that same team actually, you know, won the conference with Louisville and mm -hmm. was actually successful as well. But that's what I'm talking about, the details, the formula of winning. Um, but like Terry said, the leadership. Every year when I walked on that campus, it was a leader there. I mean, mm -hmm. Justin Jackson, Sean Kilpatrick, mm -hmm. and you flow on the, you know, other guys like Octavius Ellis, Shaq Thomas, uh, you know, go, on, go for it myself, Troy Copain. So I think when it when that comes a, a thing, like you got guys, when I was there, Justin Jennifer coming in, you know, right then and there he can learn the culture from a guy that's like, no, this will be about and then that just kind of trickles down, trickles down. Um, but back to what, what you asked, I thought that was a good question, too, about this team because I actually thought this team could find some leadership. Um, successful team the year before with Keith Williams, Chris Vogt. You got Alvinoskis coming in as a, as a fifth year who, who won at Colgate. Uh, and then I just tried to figure out how do you mesh this. You know, I, I think coach's plan is to play fast. I'm not sure if you can play fast with a seven-foot guy. So it's also like, what 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 is this team? How do they win? Right. Uh, so it was interesting that, but that's what I was trying to figure out. How does he work his system with his players? So I mean, and you talked a lot about leadership, but at what point, you know, first couple games, I think they uh, Lipscomb, yeah. then they played Xavier. Did you? Where were some issues? Was were the issues that you saw initially? Lack of leadership or just not togetherness? I'm going to be fair with this year. Uh, they came in, no exhibition games, um, no pre-preparation. I will say, I mean, all summer, all year, we were bonding together as brothers. I think that, that counts going into a season. Uh, definitely when you got young guys, eight new players. I mean, that, summertime is real important when, when we got those transitional years. So going into it, I'm being honest, I just was looking for, like, let's just see if we tough. Yeah. You know, let's see if we just yeah. tough enough. Let's throw the ball off the rim. Let's see if we can jump high enough to get it, you know. Right. Um, and then some of the early losses when you – and I, uh, no disrespect to Lipscomb or any of these lower-level teams, uh, 
But even on a bad night, I just don't expect Cincinnati to lose. With right. the athlete, with the athletes, the, the basketball players that they do have. Uh, I, that 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 was where I was probably caught my confusion as a former player. Yeah, uh, and, and 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 JT, you know, one thing that um, I think I noticed right away, and almost everybody sitting at this table here noticed um, after the Lipscomb and Xavier game, I think everybody said, "Vote and rap together." are not a good mix on the court. But you know what? But that's back to, to KJ's point, though. There was no preseason to really figure that out. You know, you're, you're figuring it out on the fly. But I think everybody at that point, after that Xavier game, and even Byron Larkin, a very good friend of mine, he called me and he says, Matt, I like this team, but you can't play those two at the same time. Yeah, and we talked about that on your pod, Yep. actually, at the time. It was like, I see what he was trying to do, especially without the preseason games. You know, especially how rap played against us the year sure. before. You know, you see it, you see it go inside and out. But with him and Vote on those pick and rolls, they were like a fish out of water. So, you know, um, we we quickly saw that. You know, Xavier, the team, they they try to spread us out. You know, a free man on those guys, and you saw it. You know, they were just picking and rolling, picking and rolling. And mm -hmm. that was, once they got people have that on tape, then that's what everybody's going to do. And then. Um, I'll fast forward a little bit. I, I think Brandon did a good job trying to adjust with the players he had, you know, later in the season. But early, he was kind of like, you know, trying to get those seniors on the floor. And it just wasn't the right mix for him, I think. Yeah. Now, you know? now how many games did you attend this year? Ah, man. Personally, the home games, yeah. I probably did seven. Seven? But my interns were there a lot. So. Okay. How was the vibe? When you were there, he, he did he did flex it, didn't he? My uh, sorry, my interns. This building the brand, man. You know what I'm saying? Trying man, to do keep, well, get yeah. people positions. You know what I'm saying? But uh, you can say it. It was a flex. Go ahead. Hey, I'm trying to get to that point. Okay. One day, maybe one day. But uh, yeah. So how how was the vibe, man? I didn't think I didn't realize how much the fans not being in the gym made a difference. Like literally, okay. I probably should say this on the pod but like even me covering the game during basketball you could kind of cheer if you want to like if you see a good dunk you can stand up a little bit you can clap nobody's gonna pull you out of there but if i would have did that this year they would have escorted my butt out of here <laughs> but it's just you could tell the energy like he, jeremiah was like the you know the human spark plug for yeah, them for this sure. year which is huge sure. but they didn't have him this year without that crowd it would have really been rough because you know just seemed like more like a practice slash, you know, I'm playing. I got my five boys. Yep. Those secret scrimmages they have. Yeah. It's like, yeah. all right, Terry got five. All right, I got my five. We about to go get KJ. You got your five. Keith, you trying to hoop? All right, we about to get it in. That's what it looked like, but it just had officials on the court. You know what I'm saying? And um, officials were. Can we talk about the officiating slightly? Or we, we you, wait, wait. Right, we're gonna hold. We're gonna hold that because <laughs> no, we need. We need to talk. We need to talk about. We will talk about the refs because I want to talk about this charge call. Gotta, and there's no better it, expert with charge calls than Terry Nelson. I want. I do want to touch upon that because these these charge calls are out of hand. I mean, I I, I think they're I think they're bad. But, I think it's the signal. Huh? I think it's the signal, man. It's the Oh, they, they enjoy that. The power the, signal, the power trip good, of man. it feels Flex, good. Especially if your arms is cool, you know what I'm saying? You yeah, like, man. Oh, that, that. <laughs> but no, I think I think you make a great point though. You 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 think about you think about young players and you think about college basketball players, a lot of them feed off of emotion. Yeah. Right? You think about a Terry Nelson, you know, when he played and he'd take a charge, the crowd would go crazy. And he would jump up and pump his fist. Uh KJ would lock somebody down, get a big steal, get a dunk. The crowd goes crazy. Yeah. There's that energy there. They're not getting that 
call response, the players aren't. So it's a very, very different different vibe. And with so many new young guys, I do think that played a part into a lot of these guys' sure. um, psyche. Um, and, and, and Keith, I, I want to I want to transition into. We talked about vote and rap, but I want to talk about somebody that you spoke a lot about on the podcast, and I think we started to see more of him. Um, after that Tennessee game because Mamadou opted out. I'm talking about Tari Eason and how special Tari was this season. Unfortunately, he won't be with us anymore, But and I hate to bring up something that uh, – but, I mean, just, just speak about Tari. No, I mean, that's, that was the biggest blow, right? I mean, I, I, think, I, think, I think when you talk about who was on the roster at the beginning, you know, there was obviously a lot of question marks. I think Mike Saunders Jr. was a lot – was a big question mark, you know, at that size, um, what, would he be able to play at this level, this, uh, this aggressive conference, this physical conference? And he more than proved that. I think as the season went on, he was a player that, you know, against Memphis, he wasn't afraid, right? right. He, placed, he faced all these taller defenders, and he went right in there and, and into the jungle and played well. Um, Tari was a freak from the beginning. Like, I mean, we, it's been a long time since we've seen someone that long, that athletic, um, that can pass, that can shoot the three that has confidence as a freshman. Um, he was just a special player from the very beginning. And I think when we saw, started to see glimpses of him early, it was just a matter of time before he started. You know, just a matter of time before you throw him in the starting lineup. I think once Brandon realized, you know, I can't put Rap and Chris out there together, I gotta put Tari out there to mix it up. Um, but I think the encouraging thing with Tari was from the very beginning, we, in, we anticipated seeing those freshman moments and he had them. Um, but he was just special. He's, he does a lot of things that you can't teach. His ability to help from the weak side, um, you know, Chris would get blown away on a drive or whatever, <laughs> and then Tari come out of nowhere with a weak side block, and then he'll grab it off the rim and dish it, and we on a fast break, and he'll dunk it on the other end. Um, he's just a guy that I think, you know, stepping outside of a journalist hat and just being a fan of UC basketball, that's the sad part is not being able to watch him learn and grow and wear that uniform. And It's just funny because he just didn't get it. He the type of player, I believe, if he would have had a crowd, he wouldn't even leave. Yeah. Because the yeah. fans would attract to him a thousand. Like, 100%. He, he yeah. was the most exciting guy for me on the team yeah. uh, through, through just – random plays I will agree and Cincinnati fans would have made him want to stay I, I, I will say I, I think the experience got rocky for him sure but the fandomonium would have brought sure. him back man because he, he was a great guy for, for this program and we, we talked about the fans but think about the history of Fifth Third Arena the shoe and how well that team has played there historically that's one of the better college or better one of the better home court advantages in all the college basketball. Yep. Um, that that in the way that it's built, right? Like I mean, the the noise traps in there. It's hard to hear a lot of times when yeah. that thing is rocking. Yeah. And look at the losses that they had. I mean, I, I don't remember the number now, but they had a lot of games where it was lost by four, lost by three, lost by six. The Xavier, the, the Crosstown shootout was close. You think if they had that home court advantage, those losses may be flipped, and we might have be having this conversation today. Yep. If that win-loss record is a little different, okay, now we're talking about guys maybe sticking around, learning and growing and building on the success of this year. Now we're talking about six guys in the transfer portal. Yeah. So it's that close. You make a lot of great points. Um, one more thing, Keith. 
and when I watched Tari, I thought about the first time I saw Max Seal, the first time I saw Hicks, those type of Bearcat players where you're like, man, by the time they finished their career, yeah. there was just, there's just something about him that had the old school Bearcat feel to him. And Bearcat fans just immediately gravitated towards him. No, and, and, that, and like you said, like he's one of those fan favorite guys because he had the DNA. And I think, I think, and, and you two can speak to this especially, um, but I think Brandon, if, if there's one lesson that he will learn from this year is, okay, did I recruit the right guy? Because a, a UC basketball player has a certain DNA. Mm. They have a certain mindset. That's a great point. They have a certain selflessness. They have a certain grit and determination. They play different defense. Like, this program is built defensively. We're going to kill you defensively, and we're going to use our defense to create offense. It's been that way for 40 years, 50 years, right? And I think his trouble, his struggle all year long was to get those guys to build into that. Well, dude, this, this isn't NKU. Like, I'm not sure you recruited – the right player for UC basketball. Now they may be good players, but are they good players here? And I think that's something that maybe he learned that maybe I didn't, you know, so hopefully as he's hitting that recruiting trail now, he's starting to figure out, okay, this is the kind of player I need to recruit. Yeah, for sure. And, and Terry, I want to talk about a player that's, that's here with us. And KJ uh, talked about him earlier. I think he's one of those guys, when you look at Bearcats of the past, mm -hmm. you look at Kenyon Martin, from year one to the end of his career. Like I mentioned, Max Seal. You, you look at the progression of a lot of these players. If you look at from year one to year two, Jeremiah Davenport might have improved more than any other player in Bearcat history. And I will say, under, in the country, under conditions that people could make excuses that we couldn't improve because of this. But yet, Jeremiah Davenport improved all around. Not to mention the conditions. He's coming off two ACL surgeries or, or, or PCL surgeries where he didn't even finish the season. He had one to start the season, came back early, had his bounce a little bit too early, hurt it again, had another surgery, took seven months to, to get back to where he was. Jim Rat, you can, shoot as many free, you can shoot as many jump shots in your brain as you can on the court and still have the same percentage. It's, mm. it's, it's mind uh, repetition. Sure. He's always been that. I mean, when he was a freshman and he would get out there early with Jaron uh, Cumberland and he'd be shooting in pregame with his headphones on, practicing his poles, like how it was going to look. <laughs> right. Like holding it up until it went in. Then when it went in, he would turn to look at the fans and, you know, he, he, like he was mentally preparing to be the star. Yep. To see the work that he put in and to know the history. He grew up being a Bearcat fan, watching KJ and all those guys. No question. Knowing the Bearcat, knowing the program that he came from. Um, a gritty program that's producing not just high majors uh, at Moeller, Moeller but NBA players. Yep. So Jackson Hayes. He's used to that. And then he comes to a place where he's been wanting to be all his life. And the offseason, like if you can get some playing time your freshman year, it's going to propel you. It's going to make you hungry. Especially when you know there's some opportunities the following year to put that work in. And then to come in there, and I, and I referee with his dad, D. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and he's, he always come back and tell me, he goes, you know, he, he, he tells me that a lot of the guys are complaining. You know, a lot of the guys are talking about opting out. This is before the season started. A lot of the guys are talking about leaving already. 
And he said, and Jeremiah was like, look, I don't care what they're doing. I'm, I'm, I'm focused. Like, I'm mm -hmm. trying to get my game on, mm -hmm. you know. And he wasn't even starting. Mm -hmm. And then he goes from not starting to coming in, having a little bit of success. And then all of a sudden to the point where at the end of the year, if he don't show up, you have no chance, no chance. of winning the game. <laughs> hey, if he opted out, we, it, okay. it's, it's, it's a wrap. It's a whole conversation. Yeah, I mean, I used sure. to get on him because his, his defensive acumen was not where it's – I'm like, dog, you play for Moeller. I'm like, I ain't trying to hear all that. Like, you know, Carl is a he, he is a defensive a wizard, and you're not even trying to rotate defensively. You're not even trying to take a charge. Come on, man. Who at Moeller does not take? It's a drill right. that y'all do. Right. And on the season, I believe that they only had less than ten charges on the year. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just how bad the defense was. With they, you know, they were good at stripping. They were good at getting deflections. But as far as position defense. It was non-existent. And so I used to get mad at him, get mad at him for not boxing out. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Dab, come on, man. What are you doing? Like, yeah. you're getting six, seven rebounds, and you're playing out of position. You're playing the stretch four when you're normally a three, so you got to battle down there, you and Tari, with six, nine, 240-pound guys, and they just backing you in, pushing you and, and abusing you. But he's fighting. He ain't got no – he ain't talking to the coach saying, switch me. He's like, no, I got it. Mm -hmm. And he may not win the battles all the time, but, you know, he, he's out there competing. No, but he's he's the DNA. Like he's the guy that's got the DNA, right? Like I think about how much foul trouble this team had this season, and it was a lot of like I'm I don't want to bash anybody today, but like Chris Vote isn't it, and it's no disrespect to Chris. I think he's a great guy. I think he works hard. I think he means well. But the DNA of a UC basketball player is just not that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like his inability to just play aggressive, effective, smart defense without being in foul trouble is he just couldn't do that. Jeremiah is he's just got that DNA in him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that that was but then he's a, just a hooper, right? Like he's just a flat out hooper. Look at his family. Like he got a whole fa his sister. I, I was gonna say she scored fifty the other night. Like she balls. Listen. You look at you look at sports families that have come out of Cincinnati. I mean, you look at the uh, the Larkins, yeah. the Griffies, uh, the Wolf family. You have to put the Davenports up there. I mean, the accomplishments of that family—they've got to be up there, and they, they need more. Um, they need more recognition. Yeah, right. I got I got to tell you a quick story though. So, when Jeremiah's brother was playing at Moeller. His, I guess it would be his oldest brother, yeah. uh, Michael. Yeah. Jeremiah was like a, a little ball boy, and he was a little fat boy. He was. Do you remember this, KJ? He was short, he was you, man, I used to play with his brother Josh Davenport. Went to Winthrop. Yep. He graduated thirteen too, and uh, we used to play for the Cincinnati Knights back in the day, our AAU team. And little Jeremiah, short, fat, curly <laughs> hair. <laughs> When I tell you he would not leave the gym, yep. they yep. would literally have to force this little man to like, come on, come on. I mean, it, so now to seem older, it, it cracked me up because we're not that far apart. But at that time, he seemed so much younger to me. Yep. Um, but the scene now, it's a, I'm like, whoa. It's, but, it's I mean, amazing. It, it's DNA of the family. Yeah, like, for I, sure. From dad to mom and all the brothers and now sisters. Um, and, and that's what I think. And I don't know if – Coach Brennan, you know, going into the job, even thought about a DNA. I, I don't. I think there's different kinds of way to win. I'm not saying that there's one specific way to win, um, but being a former player at Cincinnati, we always used to be curious of who was going to come in and help us. 
Like who coming next right. year? Who who's right. that next freshman? I remember, man, sitting in uh, no sitting judge. in my room. Yeah, no judge. When you, you want to win, you're gonna right. know that Justin it. Jackson leaving. We need somebody gonna block shots at yeah. the rim. Mm-hmm. Like we we you know no no disrespect to Chris Vote, but I, I'm looking at Chris coming in like yo, are you gonna block that? I'm gonna wall him up, but your job is to block right. that. That's right. how we gonna win. So sometimes, like, we would be looking for that. So I remember one day me and Troy sitting in the room, sophomore year, uh, going into our sophomore year, Justin Jackson's leaving, crazy shot blocker. We knew it. Like, hey, our defense is legit because Justin. Mm-hmm. So, we like, you know, who's coming in? they like, they sent us this link, and it's Gary Clark. Mm. So we look it up on YouTube. He's like, ball is life tape, just dunking everywhere. Mm. I say, Oh, yeah, yeah he's gonna help us. <laughs> yeah. we, we need him. Yeah. We're gonna bring yeah. him in Gary. here. He's gonna work out. Yeah. And uh, you know, that, those it, are the things that was you he know, the first wonder. freshman to what wasn't Gary in straight to start. Under to yeah, start? start. Right from the start. Yeah, from yeah. The yeah. Leader at High I'm, I'm not joking. Like points, rebounds, blocks. Good. Wow. Good you gotta look it up sometimes. I mean, real 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 dope ball is life tape. So I'm like, oh yeah. Need need him. And another thing on Davenport, I, you know, I, I, like I said, I referee with his father. And when everybody was talking about transferring, I said, what's up with Dav? And he said, uh, I told him, and he know this, we are a no-transfer family. Mm. He said, we don't know. You start what you, you finish what you start. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. No, so that's, look, that's good. So that's crazy that you say that, right? So, like, I just, I did the pod, you know, seeing all those transfers, I was like, dang, this is crazy. I'm not going to lie. You know, you're like, man, you see all those young freshmen and everything. You see those sophomores. You're like, you see the base. Now they just got to get a couple people, pieces around it. But then they're like, I'm like, man, I don't even know personally, but I know Davenport isn't. Like, he's staying. Like, he is Cincinnati. He's like, it would he would have to do something like elbow drop him and throw him under the bus or something for him to think, for me to think that he's going to go out of here. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if that's politically correct, but I said, but, you know, I just felt like I knew he wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. And that was just like, even before you said that, I'm like, man, I don't even worry about checking on JD. Like, that's. Well, that was good to see his tweet yeah. that he yeah. said. He put it out there. He put it out there. Boom. Yeah. When we was all wondering, okay, what's JD going to do? He dropped that sheet. Now we good regardless or something like that. Yeah. We're going to be all right regardless. I think that was the exact words he said. When you were thinking, is JD coming back? He put everybody's mind at ease. Like, that I'm was, here. That was huge. DNA, bro. DNA. I just, I just got to tell this quick JD story real quick, Jeremiah. When he, when his brother was playing at Moeller, they played one of the biggest games of the year. They were playing St. X at Moeller. And JD's a little little chubby kid. And this is a, remember, this is a big game. You know how the GCL games are. It's, it's packed. Jeremiah was a ball boy. Well, right after halftime, Jeremiah went down. Jeremiah talked about this. He remembers this. He went and got a bag of Skittles. Well, he opened up the Skittles, ate some, put them in his pocket. Well, during the game, you know how they have to wipe the floor or whatever? So he went to wipe the floor, and he went to take out and get a Skittles, and his Skittles went flying everywhere. <laughs> and this little fat kid, and he just ran. <laughs> Man, it was Skittles everywhere, and he just looked. And he, he was to, fat. It just makes it worse. He, <laughs> he tried to pick up like two or three, and he just ran. And his dad just started laughing, and now and now he's leading the Bearcat basketball team. <laughs> full circle. Uh, full circle, man. You 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 gotta love it. Um, quickly, this segment is sponsored by the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Cincinnati. Now, I do want to jump into. Um, we we've got another opt out coming, so. You know, the Bearcats, let's see, they lose to Tennessee on the road. Mamadou opts out. Lose to USF 
lose to Georgia, which was the biggest loss to that point, lose at USF, then Gabe opts out, uh, Gabe Matson. And then people are like, okay, what's going on? Now people are getting concerned. And I personally thought coming into the season, you know, you heard a lot about Gabe and Mason, his brother, and that Mm -hmm. Mason was a package deal. And Brandon's like, no, 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 it's not a package deal. Mason can actually play. Um, But everyone said Gabe's the better one. Gabe didn't play a lot. Mason, I believe, was hurt for a while during the the first part of the season. And then Gabe opts out, and it's just like, what's going on? What were your thoughts at that time? Man, so I thought like once Gabe opted out, I thought Mason was just going to opt out like immediately after him just because twins and you know how that goes. You're connected by the hip, you know, just from life. But uh, it was weird. But like in in theory, I might have been naive, but I thought maybe a Gabe would come back probably during the season for some reason. I don't know why. I just thought that. Um, But when May started playing real well, I really just thought maybe around the corner he might just be like, hey, let me get some shots up too. You know, when it's only like seven, eight people with scholarships in there, you get some burn. But uh, it's just – was it meant to be, I guess, for him? And it, it looked like uh, it looked like Gabe started traveling the country. I don't know if you guys saw that. Like he just he, he kind of just took off and uh, maybe just had to get in the right space and, and find that love again, which which I understand. Yeah. And, and and I actually didn't even think it was that serious. I actually took the opt out at the time, uh, thinking that he thought it was just no room to play. Mm. Um, and then with the year being the way it was, you get granted your year back. Right. Um, I opt out. I'll keep my team safe because cause I don't want to be the guy that's stepping out and I'm around my brother with COVID. Um, I just thought it made sense as far as him just waiting to get some time for next year. Um, not really necessarily that it was actually a problem um, going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Terry, yeah. you want to add on? If you had a team that had more upperclassmen and more leadership back and you only had, instead of eight new players, four, three to four new players, you wouldn't have had as many opt-outs because the culture would have been established. Guys would have known routines. Don't go here. This is what you do. Uh, you know, when you buy yourself, this is sort of how you have to, uh, you know, adjust. A lot of these guys, for the first time in their life, are out of the house. So you, you, you get to the point where when you start to become a, a, a known prodigy, or, 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 or quantity in, in basketball. And whether you're 10th grade, 11th grade, you're starting to get some rankings, you've been in the AAU circuit, uh, get a little fame, you start to get a lot of this. And when people introduce you, oh, this is my boy KJ, he going to UC. You know, he's still in high school, he going to UC, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, he D1, he D1, he D1. <laughs> so they get all that. And then, so you get to the point where uh, even the scripture says you judge, you know, you, you Fire purifies, that's how you test silver and gold, but God tests the hearts with praise. So if you want to test somebody, you give them some praise. Mm -hmm. And then when they get praised, they get soft because they're sitting over there looking at the crowd and letting everybody know how, you know, like Michael Jordan would never take the praise. He would look at him like, what, why are you telling me this? Like, right. I know all this, but why are you saying it? Right. Like, what, are you trying to get on my good side? Whatever. And he would take it and look for him and Kobe, look for holes to patch up because they knew that the, the fame would turn in an instant mm-hmm. if they did something wrong. And the fact that you had all these young players keep coming in and coming out, and when they're looking at the situation, they're like, man, I, I don't like it. I think in like the NFL, you opt in for the season or you, or you don't. You can't keep coming back and forth. But not having a family structure on your, on your own for the longest, not having some OGs around you to help you 
take you, host families, and, and, and sort of nurture you a little bit, not having that, it, it was a real detriment. It was a perfect storm for this year. Now, I've been holding – Terry, I want, I want to ask you this question real quick. I've been dying to ask you this question. If this was the 1992 team, put them now, how do you think you guys would have handled the whole pandemic? Who opted out? Um, Who opted out? I, been, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would have opted out. I tried to leave when I first got here, you know, because I couldn't – Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the initial <laughs> – it's the initial first couple of weeks, you know, because, you know, when the coach recruits you, they're going to say all the right stuff to get you here. You know, and, and Cronin is one of the masters of this. Cronin can speak that <laughs> hey, stuff, right, you know. He right, know how to, you know how to give you the dap and all that. Uh -huh. Him and hugs the same way. But then the switch turns in because they give you two weeks to try to learn the system. And after about two weeks, it's like something happens. <laughs> they come into a gym one day, you do something wrong, and you are the IRA of their entire fire that day. Yeah. And on the line. People like, no, we just, no, no, we're going to sharpen this tool today, today, on the line, on the line, on the line. And so we had older guys. We had guys that were 22, 23, um, a lot of 21, 22, see it with a bunch of older guys. Our freshmen didn't even play. And so, because we had so many older guys. And so the older guys were, got a little bit of room to talk to each other like men. And so hugs would give us the room to vent, to curse, to do whatever, and hugs would poke you guys and then back up. Yeah. You know, just to see how you guys were going to respond. And he would curse you out, and he would allow you to curse back. And he'd be like, okay, that's cool. I, I got you. On the line, though. I, I hear you. Yeah. We're going to run, but I ain't going to stop you from playing because I'm, yeah. kind of I'm trying to breed this yes. toughness within. So, and, and, and I've been at your practices, sitting in the gym, and Cronin will say anything to make you guys Turning the level up in practice, and then once he gets you there, he, you know, he's gonna look yeah, clap and stuff yeah. and all that stuff. But he's trying to do it on purpose. Yeah. Uh, I, and that's that's what I that's what a lot of people don't know. Too. Everybody can't come to practice. Everybody doesn't understand this. And and I wish I could take this group of kids and take them to a practice of ours. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. show you that because sometimes you get caught in your own little bubble. Mm -hmm. Just like when I was in Cincinnati, I didn't know how my guy at West Virginia was practicing right. or what my dude was doing over there at uh, what you know wherever school they were at. So you just know what you're doing in y'all culture and y'all you know little space. But I would like to tell the guys like, as a coach, when you and when you got some talent and you know we can win, mm -hmm. it's only one way I think they can get it out of you. And it's being an asshole. It's just straight up. Just straight up be an asshole. Say something to you that's really going to piss you off. Mm -hmm. And either most competitive people respond one way. And let's go at it. Let's tack a head on first. Let's prove him wrong. Um, and, and I think when I talk about generational differences, uh, that, that's what I mean by that. I, I think there's so much praising early. I remember growing up, the only way I could get on uh, uh, YouTube was Hoop Mixtape. It's all kinds of mixtapes and Instagram. You can just go viral real easy. Dunked on people before AU. It's like glorified now. Definitely. So it's just, you already get this super pat on the back. And it's an illusion because you already think you accomplished it so, so much. So I get it. So you got this entitlement coming on in. And it's, I, I was like that too. We, we all like that. But it's even worse today. So you come in with the entitlement. You know, this is what I'm, this is what I'm supposed to do. And then when coach punch you right in the mouth, it's like, uh oh, yeah, right. he wrong. Right. Coach has been lying. Right. Nah, coach has just been doing his job. That's right. This is his job for coach. You just right? you just met coach now, and and, and right. Right. you know right. if you can't embrace that, it can it could be rough. It could be rough for you. No, but I just wanted to to add in everything, every point that you guys are making is completely valid. But then you add in a global pandemic, mm -hmm. yeah. right? 
So like the importance of you know older guys and leadership, the importance of mental toughness, like the importance of buying in and and and, and you know shedding that entitlement. Like all of that is uber important always, but then you add in something that none of us have ever encountered ever in life. Like these 18, 19, 20 year olds are being away from their family and friends and they can't leave their dorms, their apartments. The only thing they can do is play ball or maybe go to wherever, but like they literally can't do anything. And then, okay, now a guy's got COVID and we on a 25 day pause. (laughs) Now we can't do anything. The only guy that can really move is David DeJulius because he had COVID over the off season. He had the antibodies, so he's cool. So him and Brandon are on the the floor and nobody else can hoop. So like, it's just, it's, I think for me being, you know, the journalist and doing my stories every single time out, I always try to keep in the perspective how truly difficult this year is. Mm-hmm. And we, we really yeah. can't even fathom how hard this, I mean, I, t- I remember telling um, Michelle Clark Heard, the women's coach, I, I was talking to her about Imari Thomas, cause she was balling, yeah. right? Yeah. And I was like, when I was, when I was playing football at Toledo freshman year, away from my family, away from my friends, yeah. didn't know anybody there. If I had to deal with that, like being in, in seclusion and, and, and family members are sick or I, I don't know a lot of people on the team, so the dudes that I, are, that I am cool with, they get COVID and now I can't kick it with them? Yeah. How hard yeah. that would be mentally for me. For sure. I would be losing my mind. So I always try to keep that in perspective because I think we like fans think this is a, this is, these are the Lakers. Yeah. These aren't the Lakers. Nah, these sure. are, <laughs> Mike sure. Saunders Jr. was in high school eight months ago or whatever it was. You know what I'm saying? Tari Eason was in high school. Two years ago, Jeremiah was in, like, you know what I mean? Like, these are kids. I know we call them young men, and they are, I get it. But in in the grand scheme of it, they are still children learning, growing, and they need that Terry Nelson, that 22-year-old, 23-year-old, Keith Williams, Chris Volney to step up and help these guys through it. I just think... Keeping all this in perspective, yeah. all of this went on during the most difficult time yeah. of all these guys' lives. It's, yeah, like you said, like it's a perfect storm. And I mean, just in general, like I'm the one that hasn't, I, I wasn't D1. That, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was, I went to UC, but you know, I would see, you know, James White, whoever, and we play Madden, whatever. But um, I couldn't imagine just as a regular student at UC, not being able to, it was the first time being away from the house. You know, I come in, come in the dorm two, three o'clock. I ain't got where my mom tripping. You know, when you just got a structure, and it just, I couldn't. I don't think I would be able to be good at that too. I mean, I'm, I'm just moving freely. I go hoop, go study, do whatever, and you don't got to worry about nothing. You now you just confined to be like, okay, we about to go hoop for an hour. You can talk. Maybe it's probably only three or four teammates there. You go back. You might get some food, playing the game. After a while, you get burnt out, and it's just like, that's the one thing. I had to take a step back because, you know, I'll write something and then people are like, they're not this, they're not that. But I'm like, man, the mental health issue is more prevalent nowadays than ever. And where everybody kind of thought that was taboo, like, all right, you know, just think about football. People get concussions and then people kind of shrug that off for a while. Like, just you get your bell rung, boom, get back in there, run that slant. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, now you're like, hey, coach, I'm, I'm messed up. I got I to gotta sit over here and it's more accepted. And I think how the this this team was so young with the with COVID in general in mental health i just think it wasn't the perfect mix they didn't have that kj that terry type 
leader, you, you know, Keith is, is quiet. You know that. He's, you ask Keith a question, he's going to give you a couple of word answer. That's just how he is. But um, I just think it was a perfect storm for them. And then you had to take a step back, just look at both sides. You know, you're going to get coached harder, of course, in college than you're going to get coached in high school because you had a different level. Yeah, D1, you see, isn't uh, – Holy Cross, you know what I mean, or that type of school. It's, it's not NKU. It's not NKU, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's not NKU, so it's a different yeah. level, you know. But so. you also, here's another perspective. Um, fathers are protective of their daughters. Mothers are protective of their sons. It's just the dynamic the way it is. There's not a lot of fathers involved in our recruiting class mm -hmm. of our freshmen. You got a lot of outspoken Twitter gangster mamas <laughs> that when, when they're not given the support, when their son goes away to college, the father now is John Brennan. Yeah. So if, if, I'm, if, if KJ had a son and KJ is no longer with his, his, his wife and I married his wife, KJ's son, I'm going to protect like it's my own. Right. I'm not going to try to change KJ's core because that's what they instilled. But now he's here, I'm going to add some stuff to it. Sure. If while I'm here, KJ is now starting to override everything that the coach is saying over the Internet so the fans can see it. That is not something that is, that, that is that's going to uh, build some type of sustainability within your son who is struggling. And all of a sudden... You got people saying this about the program, this about the program, this about the program. Corey said this on your podcast, said this to us many times when we were growing up. He was raised by his grandmother, and he tried to go home, and his grandmother said, boy, what you doing? He goes, I can't take it. I'm going home. I, you know, this white man called me everything except the name of my birth certificate. She was like, did, did that white man give you a place to stay? He was like, yes. <laughs> did he, is he paying for all your food? Like, yes. Did he give you clothes? Yes. She said, boy, you better stay up over here. You can't come home. Right. I tried the same thing in my right. neighborhood. The OGs was like, play mm -hmm. You can't. You can't. You can't come. No, we, we invested in you. Every yeah. time you was at a, yeah. a Pop Warner game playing football and afterwards, and I bought you a hot dog and, and, a, and, a, and a, a, a punch, because you didn't have no money or some chili Fritos or whatever it is. Right. I'm investing in you. Yeah. So I want to see you do good because I don't want you hanging out in the hood. So every time I see you at a game, I got you. I'm going to take care of you because mm -hmm. you ain't the other guys walking around, ain't doing nothing. So when you go somewhere, I'm, I'm a proud papa, relative, friend, supporter, booster, you name it, when I see you on TV. Mm -hmm. KJ on TV, yeah, that's my dog. Then I got a story to tell because I remember when KJ was, you know, he was in eighth grade playing. I bought him all, you know, you want to share those stories. Mm -hmm. You can't just quit and come back to the hood mm -hmm. and, and do all that. Like, Wait a minute, player? No, right. We, right. We, we put a lot of into yeah. you to get out of the hood. Mm -hmm. So you don't have that now. You got people, when they're ready to leave, they like, okay, let's talk about the coach and the program on the way out. Yep. Let's burn the house down. But when you burn the house down, you take smoke with you. Yep. Wherever they go, they're going to be the same people. Yep. So that stuff ain't going to change because you go to Syracuse. Tari's the only one on that group that's going to write his own ticket. He's the only one that can write his own ticket. He's going to get high major. Everybody else's uh, uh, offers are lower than you see. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. And, and, and I, 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 I agree with you saying with the Twitter stuff because I was telling Keith, it's a, the trust, and I was talking to Chad about this the other day because he was trying to explain to me that the players feel like the trust between them and the coach is like broken. So, you know, I'm like, well, well, how is that possible, Chad? I'm like, how how is that possible, Chad? And he's like, well, 
Well, the coaches talking behind their back. Let's just say that, okay? And I'm like, well, I mean, I mean, Chad, uh, this guy went out and and basically handpicked you. This is basketball, so this mm-hmm. is this you you almost like handpick who you who you want. And and I'm like, well, he handpicked them. They got the opportunity. I say most of them played first year. I mm-hmm. said, big blessing. Yeah. That that to get your feet wet, fourteen yep. minutes, twenty minutes, some games, and early in your career, you setting yourself up for something and totally a, different. Looks to have a very at, bright future. At that, mm-hmm. at a real program. Yes. On ESPN, CBS, whatever, whatever you get the, you know. Right. So so I'm like, well, 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 when I started playing, I, I didn't even worry about a coach. I didn't even start worried about coaches until I might have been out of school. I didn't even know it was a thing to worry about the coach. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just like, you know, we hard work. I get myself there. We do, you know, what, what, what I thought basketball players focused on. And now when I think trust, right, it works hand in hand because this coach also has an image as well. He has a family. Um, and he's been trying to do this thing for, for his life, okay? And then when you go on Twitter, you say these things. It's been things that I mean. Mick didn't, didn't agree on, but we're not going to say it on Twitter. That's right. You know, we, we're going to keep that right in-house. I might tell Troy, and he might tell Savino, but it might not go further than that, okay? And and, and that's our family, just like brothers talk about each other sometimes. Oh, you get on my nerves, mm-hmm. okay? But we brothers, so, mm-hmm. okay, if, if if I told, you know, Meech get on my nerves, mm-hmm. you told Meech that, well, we brothers. Huh? Right. Meech, dang, you told Terry that? I love you. You know what I mean? We brothers. So when I think trust, it's like, you know, it's hand-to-hand with players and coaches, and it's weird. It's very weird, and it's almost like a dad. It's because you all over me. You all over me. I feel like you don't like me some days. I feel like you don't even love me. But but in the midst of things, I know Brennan truly cares about every player. I mean, yeah. every coach does. It's, you can't can't tell me. It's, it's too tight of a family um, in the game of basketball. And, and I think as a player, you have to uphold your end of that bargain as well. Um, and, and as a and, it, and just as a spectator uh, and of, of the program, I think Coach Brennan trusts his players enough to play him as freshmen. Mm-hmm. I've been around some who don't. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that that's misread as well from younger players. Um, but if they could see that, man, I, it was a great opportunity for most of them. Yeah, well, 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 hold that thought because I want you to keep, get that mic right there. And you'll know this too, but I'll give it back to you. Let's, let's address some of the points that were made. He he tries to pit each other against against us against each other, yeah. and he talks behind our back. Welcome to college basketball. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's all. I, I Welcome to, to college you. basketball. <laughs> what coach does you. not do that? Yeah. I, I'm gonna go behind you. I'm gonna tell you something because I know you're gonna go and tell, tell him something. Him. We in the same. Yes. yes. I know this though. I'm trying to get this. you to go at him. That, that's that's why point. I recruited you. That's the point. To give the competition to him to make him that's better. The, Hugs used to get point. mad at guys, and you know this, that never played in the game. He came, we played Cleveland State one time. We were like 11th in the country, and we go up to Cleveland State, and it's one point lead at halftime. Like before the game, we're doing like three point shootouts and playing one on one, and they had the music bumping, and all of a sudden it's a half, halftime game, and we're up by one, and he looks at David Evans and Marco Wright and start cursing them out. And David was like, I didn't even play. He goes, that's the damn problem. <laughs> he said, Nick ain't got nobody to go up against in practice because you are horrible yeah, in practice. Yeah. Like, start cursing him out. Yeah. Because, he, he, you know, he couldn't get at Nick. Yeah. So he's getting at his 
competition in practice. All coaches are going to do whatever it takes to create an environment. Now, when it's over, are they putting their arm around you? Yeah. Yes. If you needed something, do they have you? Yes. Do you need a, a class, of course? I got people for this. But to sit over there and try to complain on the way out and make Brandon look like a monster because, oh, he's talking behind our yeah. back and he's trying to make us, you're trying to pit each other against it. I'm like, come on, bro. That's college basketball. And, and, and that's when you, when you talk, Keith, mental health, I understand the mental health of the pandemic, not being around family, uh, maybe not feeling that support. Shoot, I felt like that with fans and with family. So I, I get that, okay? But I also, it's got to be a line where, you know, a bit of toughness. I mean, when you chose to be a D1 athlete, I hope you knew that you were choosing the light, okay? And what comes with the light come a little bit of pressure, and it come with things that you need to learn and adapt to. Uh, and, and, and with that being said, I think that's just all successful people deal with those things uh, and, and you got to find that line. And, but I do understand the mental health no thing doubt. for the guys, for, no for doubt. sure. I think um, what I love about John Brandon is he knows and respects the history of this program. He knows what it was, he knows where it is, and he knows that we need to get this back to that, right? And I think, like I said earlier, I can't remember if we were on the mic yet or not, but as we're talking, I'm, st I'm sitting here and I'm saying he's trying to instill this UC basketball culture into these young players and they can't handle this. So I didn't recruit the right guys. He's a great player. He's a good player. He's a serviceable player here in this role, but they're not the right players for this program. Yeah. That's and a great point. if that's if that's there's one point. lesson to be had from him uh, for Brandon, it's that okay, first time out this at the gate, I didn't get the right class right. We go back around and we we say this is the guy I need. But I think one thing he does need to start doing more of is guys like you, guys like you, guys like James White. Um, they need to be around more. Yeah. The guys who know the culture, who was there to build that yeah. culture, who was successful within that culture. It's one thing to have Brandon tell you. It's another thing to have you tell him, to have you tell him. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'd be damned if I'm going to let some guys on the way out try to burn down when we built. That's what I yeah. When I came yeah. out and I was like, I'm, I'm support of John Brandon, yeah. Yeah. and I like these guys, and I wish you the best. Yep. But you ain't gonna be here. You're 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 one and done, and you sure. didn't even get a chance to experience what Cincinnati has to offer. Right. There's a reason that many of the Cincinnati players and the greats have moved back here from California, from Texas, from yeah. Cleveland, from yeah. Columbus. I mean, you name it. They come back here because if you can make it to Cincinnati, Cincinnati will take care of you. Yeah. You look at the life you built. We on Alex Meacham's podcast, player. <laughs> come on, man. I play. <laughs> My minutes combined. Terry played more than a half. <laughs> Of a game. And you know, like like you said, Keith, it's just it's really figuring out your formula. And, and I know it doesn't happen right away. Even even when you walk into a winning program, you're just not gonna just funnel in kids. I think it's approach, um, figure, finding those diamond in the roughs. Um, I even want to seem some somewhat look into the JUCO thing. I always wonder about. Um, the connections in that world, uh, but but that that I know he knows what the program's about. I like his system. I like certain things he do bring. Um, that's why I am a fan of him. Offensively, I, I love it. He, he's with what's going on today. Um, but you gotta find the DNA of guys who who understand that 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 they, 
and, and, and what Terry and them always used to tell us too with, with their team is you plan for more than what is on the back of the jersey. Right. Um, it, it, you know what? I, I think this year was so tough in that normally on a Friday, and you remember this when you played, you'd see Terry, yeah. myself, and other OGs at practice. Am I right? Literally. And we would pull you, Terry would pull talk you to, to the, the side, side and talk. I would talk to different guys, get their phone number, text. That's how I got to know yeah. Jamal Lucas. And he and I are best friends to this day because of the mentorship that, that I gave to him through practice and hugs connected mm -hmm. us up. None of that was going on. So imagine a Terry Nelson, a Corey Blunt, those guys being at practice talking to Atari Eason and those other guys. And now they're seeing the family structure of yeah. Cincinnati basketball. And they're like, man, I can't dip out of here. And, Uncle Terry's got my back. And that's why I'm sad. I'm sad to see Tari Eason and all of them go because, honestly, they found a rhythm late. Yeah. And I know yep. that energy was carrying over. Even for the fans, the energy was carrying over. You had a few new pieces. But to all the new players, what I would like to tell them, and even my high school guys, because we talk about this a lot, is – the game is a little deeper than just the shooting and the scoring. Like, to me, winning comes down to just the toughness of who you are as a unit, the heart, the, the soul of your team. I think as we see the, in, in the tournament today, um, the, the highest-seeded team doesn't necessarily win. That's, that's just not what it is, which are the talented teams. The talented teams get the number one, two spots. We all know the deal. Um, but what we're seeing today is the tougher teams winning, just that DNA, that formula watching Oral Roberts play. I mean, just as a unit, they just were denied that game. Right. You know what I mean? When you got some guys out there, this year I've seen a lot, and, and from watching from, from the, where I was at, I mean, complaining about fouls. Right. I, I played at Cincinnati. I, it, I mean, we would get cussed out for looking at the ref, looking at the ref to say something. Just shut up and play. Right. Like, just play. Because at the end of the day, he didn't call it. So why are you crying? Mm -hmm. And that, that was a part of what we thought our toughness was about. You know, we don't complain. We just get the job done. And, and I think, like you said, it starts with leadership. It starts with your coach and all that stuff. But it, it was just who we were. I knew Troy Copain coming in already. You know what I mean? We already kind of was gritty. You yeah. know, we, we knew it. Hey, you teams is going to fight when we – Played each but other. Y'all had a chip. On but, your but that, the best that, defensive yes. backcourt in college basketball. And, and that's what we, that yeah. So I, I think that it's also who you get. Um, but it's finding diamonds in the rough, man. And I know recruiting can be can be tough. So I won't speak on that part. Yeah, for sure. Not about that. But you guys are like taking me off the cliff because like I was like <laughs> I was the guy. I'm gonna lie. Like I was always big supporter of John Brandon, and everybody always come on. I'm like, look, man, give my man some time. But then when all this happened, I'm like. You, you already get to the point where you, you have to, if you're being realistic, you're, you're towing the fence. You're like, man, what's going on? Like, then you do your research, okay, this, that, and third. And then, but just hearing you guys talk about how, you know, me not, I've never been in that environment, not in that level. So I can't speak yeah. on that, right? But I just soak up knowledge from people that have been mm -hmm. in that place. So that's to, you know, anybody trying to put themselves in the best knowledge, you know, part of this, I'm rambling. But, uh, you know, Hearing you guys talk about it is making me like, okay, makes more sense coming from guys that have already lived it and been through it. You're like, okay, how much it makes this situation more be about, I think, just the isolation. Yeah. I think, I think just like you said, like, if you guys were there, you know, you couldn't be there because COVID and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think more people would have wanted to stay 
you don't know, but I think people want to stay in yeah. general in with the fan part. So seven, go ahead. Go ahead. Seven years ago, when when uh, Kevin Sampson took over um, at, at Houston, uh, KJ was putting it down on him. I mean, they they were they were giving it to him, and he looked at that team and he said, "We're not tough enough yeah. to beat UC. I remember we're not." Yeah. Yeah. So. Every offseason, if you look at their YouTube videos, they had their motto was toughest team in America. Mm -hmm. They were trying to convince them that they're going to be the toughest team in America. Lifting weights, doing running, running on the beach. Like, they go, their whole mind, they had Cincinnati as their whole mind. We was getting our gym rebuilt, they was getting their gym rebuilt. You know, we was bringing our OGs back around, they was bringing their OGs back around. And so he was like, the whole time. Now, seven years later, he's running like a well-tuned engine because he had seven years to build the culture. Well, a couple years ago when they lost to to Michigan in the the tournament, he came in the press conference and said, our guards aren't big enough to get their shots off against high quality competition. So he went and started recruiting bigger guards. And now look at them. You know, you got a point guard 6'5 with a seven feet wingspan. Mm -hmm. So when I I look at John Brandon, John Brandon looked at the season and he was very honest. And and I asked him in the post game after the season, where do we get better next year? And I was asking um, him on the coaching show and I asked Coach G uh, after the game. And he said, first thing we got to do is we got to get some rim protection. He said, we got to get rim protection, um, you know, for what we want to do. We want to play health and skeleton. We want to, you know, chase you to the rim. We want to block shots. Also, we got to get bigger and longer on the perimeter. He said, you know, we got to be able to, you know, shoot over zones, shoot over tough defense, have, you know, uh, switch on multiple positions defensively, but also be able to post our guards and play, like, just different lineups. Because there may be, if you got a bunch of 6'7 to 6'9 perimeter players, you don't need a center. And he wants to play like that old Kentucky team. I know he talks about this is the Billy Donovan system, but, you know, the Billy Donovan system had three first-round picks, you know, in that team. And they were just running through guys, and they had great play. But look at what he's doing right now. He's got a 6'9 commit. He's got a couple seven-footers he's looking at. He's got a couple other 6'9 wing players that he's going after. It's like he is going to recruit not just to a uh, system, but like you mentioned earlier, to the culture. Because – you know, we, we got some guys that are very outspoken that have had some very good success at the University of Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and they don't want to see this thing burned down. And everybody thinks Cincinnati has fallen off. I'm like, wait a minute. You're 10 and 11. You had a bunch of freshmen. He brought a, a, a group limping on a roster to a championship game. They had no – think about it. The last four years he's played for a championship, and in six years of coaching, five of those years he either won a championship, won a conference championship, or played in one. You don't hear that across the board. It ain't happening at Duke. It ain't happening at Kentucky. It ain't happening at Virginia. It ain't happening at Kansas. Five of his six years as a coach, played for a championship, won a championship, conference championship, won a conference tournament title. He is a winner. So you you give him six spots, and he realizes what he needs anyway. Thank you. I thought I was only going to have two. But I got six spots to fill, maybe possibly eight. So think about this. There's there's, uh, uh, about – 17 to 1800 spots a year to fill. There's a little over 2,000 people now in the, in the transfer portal. Jeez. That's just the transfer portal. High school market, the JUCO market, the international market. Which is huge now. Yes. So when people are telling people, hey man, don't come to Cincinnati because Coach Tripp and Coach this, I'm like, dog, you don't realize there's people dreaming of playing in the black and red. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to get cream of the crop because, first of all, it's playing time. There's a TV market, and we are in a, a, a heavy basketball conference that is mm. really, really good. So mm. when you try to burn Cincinnati down, you don't realize, man, you're putting yourself in the hole. Yeah, those are great. Those are great. Those are great points. Um, 
I want to, and we'll come back to you, KJ, in a second. I, wa- I want to jump to you, uh, Keith, and, and talk about the transfer portal. Okay. And, and I want to say, I know the answer, but for college basketball, is the transfer portal bad for college basketball? And do they need to make changes to how the transfer portal exists? Man, that's a good question. Um, I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm always going to take. I don't say always. I, I like taking the side of the student athlete. And what I like about um, the transfer portal is, okay, when I was an athlete, I would if I wanted to transfer, which I didn't opt out. I got hurt at Toledo. I would have never quit because you know I, my dad would have been all over me. But um, in order for me to want to opt out or to transfer, I got to ask the coach, right? And then if he says no, then I got to go to the AD. And then if he says no, then there's a committee at the university that you then need to speak with. Right. And then if they say no, then you can still transfer. And you get to that other institution, they have the right to deny you any athletics aid because they didn't clear it, right? Now with the transfer portal, all he got to do is say, hey, Coach Brandon, I'm out. Mm-hmm. He is obligated. He's got two two days, 48 hours to put he your attacks. name in the portal. Right. <laughs> Right, and I'm gonna burn you. I don't, we gotta talk about why I didn't write the story, but we yeah, don't yeah. get there. Um, nah, but what I would, and I'll, I'll say this: instead of doing that story, what I did was a story on explaining what the transfer portal is, because I think a lot of fans weren't really clear on why this is happening. The big thing with this now is usually with NCAA, if you transfer from a Division One school to Division One school, you got to sit out a year. This year is different. They get to go wherever and play immediately. That's why, at the crust of all this, is why this transfer portal is going to get crazy. Now, we talk about the changes in um, how players are being coddled and whatever else. If if they got one ounce of unhappiness in them, oh, I could just dip. I'm out. I could just dip. It's different this year. And in years past, it wasn't like that. That's why this year is just so crazy and why it's going to be a free-for-all. And when, as you were talking, I'm thinking, if I'm Brandon, I don't mean to get off topic, but if I'm Brandon and I'm thinking about this transfer portal, I'm looking at JUCO guys. I'm looking at guys because think about when this program took a turn. It was guys like this cat. Yeah. The These Eric, guys Eric that, Martins, you know, Blunts. everybody, not everybody, but there were a yep. lot of quality players. Uh, the core of this re, this rebrand, when we talk about the culture, quote unquote, the culture was built by guys like this, the guys who had, you know, had to take another route to get here. Right. And I think that's what Brandon needs to look at. I think he needs to say, all right, because they're 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 burning the house down. Right. OK. What players will come here regardless of any of that? What players need this opportunity? Because these guys obviously don't need it. They don't, at least they don't feel that way. Like I knew like I wasn't, without that scholarship, I wasn't going to college. Mom didn't have that money, right? You know what I'm saying? So we need to find guys that need this and can respect like, this is a top 10 program of all time, period. It's not my opinion. Right. That's it's, facts. Right. Look at the wins. Look at the banners. Look at the history. Oscar Robertson, Kenya Martin, Nick Van Exel. It's on the wall. Mm-hmm. So we need guys that respect the history of the program and more than that, need this opportunity. And we'll look at it as that, as an opportunity. And, and, and I I agree with you totally. I, I'm going to speak on the transfer reporter first because I, I'm always with the student athlete too. And it's funny because – like you said, it's just so much easier. So I think it's just quick to pull your trigger, like without even wondering. 
But but I always think about like man, when I was getting recruited, it was a great period of time, right? You go, you see these schools, you you pick your school. Um, I'm pretty sure these kids picked Cincinnati. You know, they got recruited, but they truly picked it. Mm -hmm. And I know going into it, you got to know who who they are and what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the history, it's been winning now, so I know you know what's going on. So for me to sit back and and, and yeah, it's easier to transfer. But, but it always brings back to me, like, to the DNA. Because when you got a DNA like Davenport, it's just like, why would I transfer? Mm -hmm. I played. Yeah. If I'm sitting here talking about six freshmen that right. didn't play, right. Right. I could understand. I'd be right. like, ah, mm -hmm. yeah, get up out of there. You know, he might over-recruit you. Yeah. But, but you played. Y'all yep. played on a national yeah. level. Y'all had success. I mean, when in and doubt, okay, it was a funky year. But it was a funky year for a lot of programs. Yeah. So that that's... That's no problem, okay? When y'all got to prove yourself late in this year, you make it to the conference tournament, championship, okay? So what, what, what's the problem? What is the problem? What, I, that's that's someone's one of the And JB was a grinder. So when you saw him in the summer leagues, when you saw him when, when everybody's trying to punk him because he's a tall, skinny white guy playing in the Devereaux's League, yeah. he's doing step backs before it was step backs. Yeah. He was bombing and, and coming off screens, and he was constantly running in motors. You try to play roughhouse with him, didn't matter. Like, he was yeah. going to let you have it, and he would appreciate the competition afterwards. And you, you I like that cat, man. I got some respect for him because he was grinders. Yeah. When he's looking for guys that have the same mentality as him. Right. Is he a guy that's going to coddle you? And all? No, that's just not him because he couldn't tell you the last movie he saw. He couldn't tell you, you yeah. know, some of the famous records that are going to be – he don't – he is into game film and studying the process and how to make his players become the best at what they do whenever they put them in. Yep. Just real quick, after the Wichita State game um, – you know, they eked out that victory to get to the, the conference final, the conference tournament final. And Mason Matson was the only player that scored in double figures. He had 10 points that day. And after the game, he said, uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but I'm paraphrasing, but he said, to, to play on this stage at a, a program like Cincinnati, um, it's a historic program. It's, it's really a dream come true or something to that effect. Um, Mason, you're not going to Cincinnati now. Like, they're – the the tier, you're now dropping a tier. Now, fairness to these 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 student athletes, they have the option to to withdraw, and and Brandon and, and company could say, okay, you can come back, and we'll, you know, maybe act like you didn't just burn down a place on your way out. <laughs> um, but where did that go? Where did that go? Because I mean, this. You understood the stage. Right. You understood the platform that you were blessed right. with. That's right. and, and keep that in. Don't mm -hmm. All of this extra stuff, man, you came here for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And you looked at this as just a tremendous opportunity to be able to play as a freshman at a top-tier program. And you let all the extra stuff, you know, your, your mom, your dad in your ear, your friends from the block, whatever. You know, Brandon said this, and he said this behind my back. And, you know, I don't want to say too much, but, like, I just – you, you have to, like you said, like you guys were saying, mental toughness, um, blocking out the extra stuff. Um, and I get it. It's even harder during this time, the pandemic, all of that. But, like, you go to college to be to grow up, to become a man. And Brandon is there to help you do just that. Yeah. You, you, you trusted him enough to put your signature on that dotted line, yeah. right, on that national letter of intent. 
he's going to walk this line through you. You got to walk with him. He can't drag you through this. True, this is yeah. a commitment between. I'm, I don't want to. No, no, no. You but but he he is only one man, and so and this is a system. I'm saying that to to complement your point. I, I worked at University of Cincinnati, running the athletic alumni, uh, the C Club, and I worked hand in hand with and under and for Dr. Joe Lucky, who was graduating all kind of players, um, you know, post playing days, and. He has, he's in charge of uh, SAS, Student Athletic Support Services. They have so much stuff that they're doing for, for athletes. Uh, we didn't have a lot of the, the, the resources that your dad had when he was running the department. Uh, and he still graduated. He got me graduated. Thank the Lord. I, I see him every day. I can kiss his finger like the Pope. I'm just like, <laughs> 88. Happy birthday, Doc Meach. Yeah, I kiss his finger like the Pope. I'm sitting over like, this, hit the pinky ring. But, but to, to know that. We were a part of when they bringing in um, like lecturers for how to manage your money, uh, managing your personal brand, like just all kind of stuff that they have. They bring all these athletes in and they had these speakers come in and they would have these uh, games and awards and different things to reward the student athletes. He started a GoPro event, which was sort of like an open house for businesses to come in and explain what they do. And it was a job fair. They didn't have this before, so not only do we want to graduate you guys, we want to get you guys in employment as soon as you graduate, the day out the door. So he has put so much stuff into play that they have never experienced. So what I'm saying, you're making an emotional decision based on uh, the fact that you guys have lost and that's it. Now the pandemic has a lot of stuff to do with it because you can't see the forest for the trees. They're not being able to see what Cincinnati has to offer. I said, look, I keep telling people, and I put it in a quote, I put it in a text, I put it in a tweet, I put it on the radio, I put it on the podcast. They will regret their decision to leave University of Cincinnati because Cincinnati is a blessed place. You had a place where there's no professional basketball team. And you got two college basketball teams here, and one's a big brother and one's a smaller brother, even though they had one had more success as of late. But, you know, there's an icon franchise here in Cincinnati that's a basketball brand, Cincinnati Bearcats basketball, that many people like when you go to the nba they talk about man y'all got some crazy people there like kobe used to say that nick van x the uh, uh ruben patterson and tony bobby were the craziest bearcats he ever played with the craziest people he ever played with i'm like yeah you're right we thought the same thing but it was because they were like walkthroughs they were still going hard everybody's right. trying to like what you doing man relax this is walk through i don't know how to go i don't know how to relax right. you know, we know yeah we go on and they were complaining that the coach was making them go too hard in walkthroughs i'm like boy if kj would have said that to cronin i used to want to say that though i, I did used to want to tell him like hey man we got a game in a few hours man bring it down or not you got us two two one pressing against each other like press drop can it's a walkthrough it's no walkthrough he was real man it was no walkthroughs and that's what I'm trying to tell them but but when I look back at it it's like that that was the formula to get us to win it was it was that serious you know what I mean when, when you go trap camp it was that serious so it was like you know now, now I'm older it's like that the only way I think I could believe him at the time was his insanity if he probably would have like Kev man trap I'd have been like uh, you know I'm, we're gonna trap but when you all over you trap now yeah, I don't like the way you approached me and you said it, but it's that serious. How did you like the five-minute pause that Cronin would have and he would just rip y'all a new tail for, for not playing hard? In the middle of practice. Confused. 
Because I used to be thinking I'm playing hard. Right? I used to be like, what does this man want from us? Mm-hmm. But, 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 but it, and like I said, it, it, it was to get us to exceed what we were doing because mm-hmm. he knew it. Sometimes it's like, yo, we, we are good. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. for us to go beat who we know we got to beat when it's time, we, we got to push that bar. And I, and I think for a coach, that's the thin line. And, but you know your team. Because I also watch, you know, at, at Coach Cronin know when to do that. You know what I'm saying? Okay, my team right now, we flatline. Let me give them a break. I'm going to back off, okay? Let me see how they respond with the back off, okay? And, and if they respond well, we let it go. But if not, then I got to put the pressure back on. And I think I'm not sure where the balance lied with this team and coach. Um, but I do remember sometimes, you know, coach just walking out the gym and letting Savino and Davis just take over the practice because he was already there. But we was there. So it's like in a minute, we all just going to clash. It's going to be 11 on four, you know, and, and I'm leaving. And LD, you can deal with them. And now you got LD coming in. Yo, fellas, you know, this is what we need to do. And, you know, another yeah, yeah. approach. So I, I, that's the thin line, man. You, you know what? I, I've, I've got a great question, and I've really thought about this during the season. If you looked at when you see how their 25-day pause, right, sure. they came back and played better than they did prior to the pause. That happened around the country. My with other teams, they had a pause and came back and played pretty well. So my question is, with with college athletics, and we're talking about basketball specific, do some of these players need more rest during the season and more smaller pauses like this to give them a mental and physical break? And as Terry can tell you, it is a grind, especially if you're going all the way to the Final Four, because I will say this. And my teammates and I have talked about this, and I don't mean to throw anybody under the bus, but one of the seasons that I played at UC, guys were so tired when we got to the NCAA tournament, I knew we were going to lose that next game. Do you know what I'm talking about, Terry? I knew we were going to lose that game. And I told my dad, I said, Dad, we are not beating Temple. Well, you're better than Temple. It doesn't matter. Guys are exhausted. So I'm thinking, should more coaches look at strategic breaks for their teams? It, it might be something to, to look at for sure. I'm going to touch back a little bit on the portal part and kind of oh, ask yeah. you guys a question. Do you think with the portal being as open as it's ever been, it's not going to change, do you think coaches will have to – I mean, coaches will have to adjust, but do you think it should be like big adjustments or it should be like small fine-tuning parts just because people have that capability to just leave per se – and not really have that one year, well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me, let me. Before you hit that, KJ, uh, when the coach could leave, the players were left with the bag, and so the player, the coach, would sit over there and say, "Hey, you know what? It's been, it's been an awesome experience. Um, I, I took the job at this next university. Uh, you know, better my family. Whatever he's gonna say." Now the kid's like, okay, do I wait or do I leave now? Because they got a coach that's going to come in here. He's not going to know how to use me. He wants his own guys. And so then the players are asking, can they leave? And then if they do leave, they had to miss a year, sit out a year. Now both could leave. Now it's a problem because the players can leave. Well, it's not just because the players can leave. It's just because it's the perfect storm that took place. This don't really affect 
Cincinnati, if you got, you know, if there was a, a mixture of upperclassmen yeah. and lowerclassmen, it affect them because they don't have that. And when you have a bunch of guys that are used to having something, to want, they came in with their same habits from high school. There's no off season to get their bodies. And so, you know, we had Mike Rayfield used to have mm-hmm. the guys come in and they looked like they was buffing big. No. And all of a sudden, after two months, they're like right. chiseled. Yeah. Four months, you know, four inches higher on their vertical jump. They run mm-hmm. a little faster. They jump a little higher. It's like, man, this is some good stuff. And then not to have that. And then to come in there and everybody is sitting over there looking around like, I'm going to be the man because all this playing time. I know it's going to be Keith, but after Keith, I'm getting my shots up. And no defenders. No lockdown defenders and start the season off. Micah Adams Woods, which was your best defender coming back, was getting backdoor cut so much. I thought mm, he, you know, man. he was getting sliced up. DJ sliced like he had ble- band-aids all on his back. And then all of a sudden he settled down, became uh, the rock that we knew him to be. And they started to take off. And, and back to the transfer porter question, I, I think it's fools go. I, I think it's only going to work for players across the country who are like Tari Eason um, and, 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 and a couple of these other ones that's coming from like the, the Ivy League schools that, that are already ready to go. The rest of, of guys like, a you know, and, and, and not a knock to Mike Saunders Jr., but those are those plenty of those. You get what I'm saying? There's yeah. plenty of Mike Juniors. And not, it's not a knock on him at all. Um, but talented, but it's Six a lot of talent. Guard with speed. Okay? Um, but Atari Eason, who can do the things that he can do, somebody would love to bring him out. And I'm going to another high major. You know, guys could go to Radford or somewhere like that uh, right, right away, and I think they'll be very successful too. But I think it's fool's gold for what they're, from where they came from. And I always like to ask players, like I tweeted, what are you chasing? Because we all wanted to leave. I, every year, you, all players go through, I'm transferring. I'm out of here. Try, every year I said it. Every year I, I said mean, it. Who? And it's just like, what am I chasing, though? It, you know, it, am, I, am I going to play at a bigger program? Well, at this point, we're only going to go to Michigan State or Duke or, or Kentucky at the time. Um, so if it's not going to play at for one of those, I mean, what am I chasing? I'm going to the tournament. I'm at a winning program. I mean, we, we fly charter. I mean, we, we get gear. What you? What else are you, you, you chasing? You Come know on. what I mean? So if it's coming down to, oh, man, the coach get on my nerves. Well, well, well that's, that's, the, yeah, that, that's just immaturity. And how many, and how many coaches we can all – we can all rattle off lists of coaches in our athletic careers from peewee to high school to college that we didn't like. I could just, I could name a bunch of coaches, man. I hated dude. I couldn't stand that man, but you know what? I respected him. I listened. I I trusted that what he was telling me was going to make me better out there. Cause if it wasn't, I don't think he'd have this job. And it's the, the relationship needs to be there. Like he's go ahead. But, I did want to address your question about the pause, but um, when you said one thing, let's say in a normal year, pauses f up the money, right? Like if we're pausing, we got TV contracts. That's less games. That's less. That's less people walking through the turnstiles. I meant more from a standpoint of as a coach looking at a complete season and finding those strategic pauses there of maybe not you know missing games, but times that. You can get your kids to, you know, take some time. Yeah, a week off. Like, yeah. what that would do for your body. 
I think it's fair. And then Chris Vogt even, because he still has a nagging shoulder injury that hurt him last year, and he talked about it was just gay. Because he actually played well after the pause. He was one of the guys I think was a direct beneficiary of that time off. I, I said this the other day to somebody, I wish we wouldn't throw him a parade every time he had eight points and six and six rebounds. Because we need more. We, he should get 10 and 8 in his sleep at 7 one, 260. Um, but again, I want to pass Chris Ball. Um, but no, your point is valid, and I think it is something that maybe this year is maybe a lot of coaches are going to look at this thing differently mm -hmm. in several different aspects it just forces them to you got to take a step back and like okay what worked in 2019 didn't work in 2020 what's going to work in 2021 and we don't know what 2021 is going to look like it may be open up we have no idea um but i think it is valid to think all right for the mental health for the physical health of these players um you know let's see if we can strategically find some holes in the schedule but i think um I don't know. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing checks up. I, I I do think as a coach, you you, you find that balance on your team because I think it, it's it's a, such a long season. If yep. you played, you know your team's going to hit a wall at some point. And yeah. Like it always happens. It tends to happen late in your season before your conference tournament or sometimes in in conference tournament. Um, but you hit this wall, uh, whatever your team is. It's, and normally, it's just fatigue mentally, physically. And uh, you know, I I don't think we stopped practicing, but you know, it was mandatory cold tubs. Like, th these were things that had to happen yeah. for our success. Like, sure. okay, we're going to go an hour, but, but y'all gonna, gonna rest and like really do right. things for the body for an hour. Yeah. And then we would do things, and I know pandemic made things a lot harder, but we would do team bonding things that was right. for our mental health together. Mm -hmm. You know, me and, me and such and such here might be beefing on the court a little bit, because I feel like he's not passing the ball, but we would take those times to, hey, yo, let's go to Benny Hanna's, right. put him in a group setting, yep. let him just free, free. Team just, just have some fun. You talk about and, it. And you talk about way. that. You yeah. joke about it. Yeah. Yeah. People they, make they jokes, and, that, they, and they could. Like, and this, and that's, wasn't, that wasn't an option. Right. And that's, that's what I'm saying to you. Like, it's tough. Um, and, and my question to you two is, I do think that they benefited from the, the 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 pause physically and mentally, but I also think my perspective was when you lose something, because they couldn't have it for 24, 25 days. They, they couldn't get on the court. They physically couldn't play the game that granted them this opportunity. So I think one of the things, one of the reasons why they played so well after the pause is there was that that hunger and that grit and that fire and that that culture that should have been there from the very beginning, I felt was there after the pause, because whatever light needed to switch on, that pause just kind of brought it out. Right. So I think, I think we saw that hunger, that appreciation of what's in front of you, that opportunity that's in front of you, when it was just there and you, you may have been taking advantage of it, as soon as it was taken from you, you were like, yo, we might have another 30-day pause. We got to ball out. Because today is all we got. Yeah. Today is all we got. And you kind of sense that, that, that sense of urgency with that team after that pause. I mean, it was no, it, there's no dancing around it that they were a better team after that 25-day stretch. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, you always, as a coach, you always have to evaluate. And when you see something that may work, you have to look at it and say, there's something to this pause. And I always said this, Terry, you agree with me or disagree with me. I think the best thing that ever happened to Bob Huggins is Eric Martin. Mm. I'm going to tell you why. When Eric Martin became Huggs' assistant, he said, Hugs, you got to change this and that up mm -hmm. from the, for the sake of the players. Am I right, Terry? Right. And right. When, when I believe Coach Huggins changed up how he did things, I think it helped 
how he coached players, how players responded. Terry, do you agree with that? Yeah, because now Eric has become the bulldog for Huggins. Uh-huh. Huggins used to be the lead dog. Yep. Cursing everybody out, getting mad, doing all the episodes, trying to create the hostile environment and practice. The Jack, I call it the Jack Benimble experience. All coaches, all good coaches, would like that fire under your butt, and either you're going to jump or you're going to burn. And, you know, and so he's going he's gonna to either make you bring the best out of you or you're going to sit, and yeah. he's going to use you as an example the entire time on the bench while the other guy's playing well. He's going to be talking about you or whatever, you know, doing that. So, But it's one of those things where – uh, when you look at uh, 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 Bob Huggins and a Mick Cronin, they had very the, – the defense was, was, was different, but it was common. Mm-hmm. The only thing mm-hmm. that made it common was toughness. Yeah. Like, yes. Mick understood being around here what Cincinnati basketball was. For he sure. was an assistant coach there. He knew what it was. Then he – you know, Patino, he knows what it was there. Mm-hmm. And so he picked up from some of the best. And when he came here, he made sure as, as a head coach that – we're going to make Cincinnati proud. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I mean, the yeah. year they went 11-17, to 17, this first year, some of the hardest playing Cincinnati guys, <coughs> patchwork, man. They, it, they worked their tail off. They just didn't have the, <laughs> they didn't have the, they didn't have the weapons. It took them four years, but every year he was getting better and better and better. And then it got to the point where, like, they don't get KJ unless they was having that success. Yeah. And, and I think that's so when, when fans kind of jump off the bandwagon, it's like, hold on. We've been here before. Like, we've recovered, and actually we've recovered stronger every time, right? Coach Yates, rest in peace, um, tremendous human being, great recruiter, didn't have the success wins from a win standpoint, right? When Hugs came in, he totally bu- he built everything, right? So we've seen that model. Mick Cronin came in with Ronald a- Allen, uh, Seg McGowan, uh, Brandon Miller were the only three guys he had, and he had to bring in all these guys. Deontay Vaughn was the backbone, John Williamson, and then eventually he got to Yancey Gates, which then led to Lance Stevens. You know, yeah. it led to that whole crew. Yeah. yeah, but we've seen it. It we've seen it kind of hit a low, get rebuilt, and we're back there. It's and like the, Bitcoin. It's going to dip, and then it's going to go back. You know the value is there because since K- basketball is a no commodity. KJ just gave you the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you take this yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I invest in Bitcoin, so Bitcoin is like, it's sexy, it's beautiful, but then you look at it, you bought $200 worth of Bitcoin, you look the next day and it's 156 You be like, I made the wrong, and then the next day you look at it, it's 300 and, yep. you know, and it's like, it's trending, it's trending. Cincinnati is not game style. Yeah. So, you know, and and here's the thing, and this is a a recommendation that I would like to make to Coach Brandon, and I want to get your guys' feedback and thoughts on this. I think moving forward, one great thing I think he could do is get some of the OGs together and form a, you know, maybe just a committee of OGs that he sits down and talks with, you know. Like I said, Terry is Cincinnati Bearcat basketball. You know, I, I, don't, I don't care what anybody – he is Cincinnati Bearcat basketball. Corey Blunt is such an important mm-hmm. piece to our program. You know, you take – you know, you, you put those OGs around and you sit down and, and have some open dialogue. Get those guys, you know, behind you. Thoughts on that? Funny you say that because I talked with Lisa, uh, Brandon, and I said, hey, the guys, we would like to get together and come over and talk with, uh, with Coach John Brandon and uh, meet with them as a form of support. 
but we got some issues we want to talk about. And she says, yes, sir. Like, absolutely. Let's do it. I talked to my husband. He's like, yes. They want the guys around. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I want John to be the way he is. I want him laser focused on getting talent and, and trying to make, you know, John is about championships. And he wants to win championships. He's not going to do anything. He's not cursing these guys out. He's not acting, calling them out of their name. He is totally opposite from Cronin and Huggins from that perspective. Yes. Will he, will he light a fire on you? Absolutely. But it's just his different way. He's just yep. not that. He may sound yep. a little quirky when he says, God darn it, darn it. You know, he may say it a certain way, but he ain't going to, hey, you ain't going to go to the next drill until he tell you to get this thing done. Yeah. And he's going to get on the line and going to run. And then once you run the first time, he ain't going to curse you out for five minutes. He's going to say, okay, get back to it. Let's go. Let's go. We got, we got stuff to do. Right. Right. So he wants you to do that. Right. And, and here's the other thing. Um, I think it is time, whether it's this coming year, the year after, we need a former player on staff. We need a former player who's been a part of the program, understands the culture that's on, on the staff. Um, it's It's been – I'm not sure how long it's been. I know Jaquan Parker was with yeah. um, Coach Cronin. my time. Right. Yeah, we had Park and uh, D- DeMar Johnson came, came DeMar was there for a little well. bit. Yeah. And I, I think that's good for players uh, – because I remember watching Park even as a kid and then to have him as a coach. Just just that guy that's in between, you know, just somebody that you notice in the office. So he hear it. He knows what's going on. But he also can play the brother part. Hey, man, hey, you know, this is just <laughs> what he all wants. It's what he right, wants right, from you. Right. Yeah. This is, I'm being honest. He mad. Right. You, you haven't been getting steals. You had a couple turnovers. Yeah, he mad. He upset. Yeah, he upset. Yeah, he yep. upset. <laughs> so, you know, don't turn it over. I Get wrote a couple that steals, down. you'll play. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and I think that, that that is what the program's missing. I think a lot of fans want to see that, too. Um, it's such a great history with Cincinnati basketball. I'm from here. I've been watching it as a kid. I mean, I, I enjoy the program's history. Um, and, and to be a part of it, and then now, you know, I talk to Kenny Satterfield. You know, these are mm-hmm. people that I would be like, oh, man, Kenny Satterfield. Yep. But, you know, yep. that now it's like that's part of family. You know, mm-hmm. over something that we both uh, attended. So uh, I think that's a lot of us would enjoy that. And I think it'll be good for the city, too, to also help with recruiting. I think we got guys here that are very capable of staying home, playing for a great program as well. Um, I think that's the bond that, that that's kind of missing. I'm from the city, and a lot of guys feel like we don't get that opportunity out of here. Glad uh, you said this. So I, I think that. That'll that'll bring some excitement too. I, I think when we talk DNA, Davenport, you, you gotta funnel a guy or two every year. A, at least, at least be out here recruiting them. Uh, and I think you'll see some success with Brendan there too. And I don't want to attack former staffs and all that, but if you look at the talent that's come out of this area, the greater Cincinnati area for basketball and what they're doing now, it, shout out Macy Oteague it, right now for what he's doing at Baylor. You talk about yeah, Walnut, there you go. You you talk about a kid that I mean, his team has a chance to win the national championship in the a lot of times spotlight is on him. Yeah. Right? One of the best guards in all of the transfer portal last year was Carly, Carly Jones. Jones. Yeah. Aiken Come on now. This this kid come out of Aiken. I told Crone and the staff, I said, he's gonna be one of the best guards. I was told he was too small. Uh, Told the same thing, and I'm like, uh, I'm not gonna say what I said. But we but, ended up with Justin Jennifer, but we don't talk about that because that's my brother, and I love yeah, that but, guy. You know what I'm saying? But, but there's, but that's a guy that out the city that I totally agree that uh, 
I just don't know how they were missed. And, and for wh- whatever reason that may be. Jackson um, Hayes. Yeah, yes. I just don't know how we missed some of these guys who I, who I know I've spoken to and would have loved to come here out of high school. And, and now they're older asking me, you know, how I was recruited and why I was recruited, you know. And, you know, you look back like, dude, I don't know. I was just playing basketball. But, you know, just to know that they weren't, I always wanted to know as a player, like, why why don't we attack more guys Fredericks. from our city? CJ, uh, I met him. So yeah. we, we're down there. We're playing yeah. in the Chicago wow. Legends Classic. And uh, and so Corey was getting nominated. He was getting honored. You know, it was obviously in Chicago. Corey played there. He get drafted there. So we did there. We're sitting there having some drinks in the lobby, and uh, CJ and his his dad walks over, and he goes, "My God, this UC players!" And then so his dad was like, "Hey man, can my my son get over here? Get I knew his dad. You know, he's like, come on, my son, get a picture with you guys." And he's sitting over there. He's looking at us, and his eyes are starstruck. And I'm like, "Man, you look good in the black and red." He goes, I, "That's my favorite school. I wanted to play there." They never recruited me. Yeah, he did. They never he recruited never, him. Never Uncle said that. Though. Oh my yeah, goodness! Uncle said the same yes. thing. Yes, I mean he was said the same yeah. thing. Yes, all the time. He always say my, my this guy would have. He would have yeah. been one of the, knock, the be best knockdown guy. shooters no. of all time. Man. You hear me? And didn't get recruited. He would have had a following like no other. Like we literally talked about this literally on the pod. We did. And remember the kid from Virginia that was from Indiana, guy. Yep. Yeah, how yeah. got He you know he's a from here. Yep. He want he he if he would have got off from UC he would have dropped everything. Bro. I know his aunt. Yep. 100%. Like he was like yep. from a little kid like Bearcats, Bearcats, Bearcats. No offer. Cold shooter. You know what I mean? Just like and look look at it. look at what. Now, go ahead. Go ahead. Let me let go me ahead. piggyback off this and Cal Cal guy turned into a really good player. And no disrespect, but I'm not sure if Cronin recruited white guys. It's a question mark there. I don't, I'm just being honest. I don't know. I don't know, man. Bobby at least, Bob least snuck in one every now and again. Like, you know. Long guys, man. Bobby Brandon, Ryan Fletcher, <laughs> Keith <laughs> Gregor. Like, he found that one that was a grimy cook to catch. You know, so. Right. I, I think yeah. that was the other thing. But, but. You know, watching some of these guys we talk about now, man, I I, I feel like they would fit in it, any any year. They would have fit, man. And, and I, but I do think that relationship, even even across the water in Kentucky, could even be um, a lot closer with with high major talent. But and 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 I know it's apples and oranges. But look at what Luke Fickle's doing, right? And I, again, I know it's different, but that's what he he's directly doing. That you're not leaving here. There is no way you're leaving here. If you got skills, you plan for us. Ain't no way I'm letting you go down to Tuscaloosa or whoever. And he and, and and here's the thing, and here's the thing, but but what Luke Fickle's doing that, in my opinion, is genius is the staff that he has. Gino, right? The Best quarterback ever. The, and it, statistically, that, statistically, we, we we talked about it in the package. That's your guy. Mm-hmm. His staff has the ability to go out and recruit, mm-hmm. and that's back to my point. You put a guy like. James White mm-hmm. on staff, and you tell James, "What up, James? Go out and <laughs> go, go out and recruit. Shout out flight. You yep. recruit the greater Cincinnati area. Mm-hmm. He walks into the gym. Come on. Stop it, man. Yeah. Stop it. It's, right? It's automatic. It's automatic. And and that that has to be a strategic move right. at some point. I, mean, I always love when we talk about flight because he's the perfect example of the DNA because he didn't start here, right? Nope. He wasn't a UC guy at all. He was at Florida. He was a McDonald's All-American. He get to Cincinnati, 
instantly fit, right? He's that grimy guy that's going to lock down, that's going to play hard, that's not going to, you know, he did what he needed to do to fit in. He appreciated the opportunity. He didn't look at it as, man, Cincinnati, like I was at Florida. I'm the right. This was a prime opportunity for him. That's the guys that we need. The guys yeah. that get that, they put this uniform on. Right. Oh my gosh, bro. Right. You know who else wore this? Right, 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 right. But it also, you got to look at the fact they need to talk to Ronald Allen. Um, Ronald Allen was, you know, the leftover guy that in the Huggins era came from Hurricane Katrina, came out of Xavier, uh, Orlando, of Xavier, uh, um, New Orleans. But it was just a couple years ago, he went through the college coaching academy. And so they teach you how to edit film and do all the stuff that he was doing. And he, he was going to take an assistant job at Jackson uh, State. And because his friend had got the job, but he was constantly calling coaches and just he was calling me once, uh, you know, every two, mm -hmm. three days. Hey, T, let me ask you, let me run something by you. <laughs> and, and it can be as little as 10 minutes for a question or two hours. You're talking about stuff, but that's how Ronald is. He is now the assistant coach for Utah Jazz in their G League. Um, and, but just he knew that grind and I would be talking to him. He was like, let me put you on Zoom real quick. Uh, does it look good? Like he's, he's, he's using Zoom to, to, to edit his game film. I got to edit this film for him. I got to do this project. But he did everything. He didn't expect just because I played for UC, I'm supposed to get a job somewhere. Because when, as soon as Mick got to UCLA, all these guys were like, hey, man, I'm going to get this if I can get a job with Mick. I'm going to get a job with Mick. And Mick was like. I need guys that are established. that already know how to reassistant coach. I ain't got time on this wagon to be, yeah, to be getting nobody in. I gotta have somebody that knows what they're doing. So, Flight White, um, whoever wants to be a, a, a college coach on this level, just because you played here, that's not gonna get you the job. We are high major. Yes, you probably go over, go over to get talent. That's one thing, but to be able to, them guys on the road, you've been on this. Because uh, it's all about the players after you win and all that stuff. And everybody's celebrating. You got a big thing of food on the bus. You grab your food. You sit down. Y'all in the back with your headphones on, checking IG, doing all the other stuff. And what are the coaches doing? Coach got their thing open. Yep. Coach got their thing open. They, they editing game film for this one. And they working on game film for the next one. They don't, they don't get a chance to celebrate. So it ain't as all as beautiful as people like to make it out to see. Like, yeah, this, it, you ain't a celebrity when you're an assistant coach. No. When you're an assistant coach, you're a grinder. It ain't anything about you. Your job is to make sure the players have what they need to be successful. I remember when I – got, I got two stories real quick. I remember when I was on the, uh, the AU programs and I'm on the AU circuit, I remember when Brad Stevens was getting cups of coffee for other coaches. I am not kidding you. The college coaches would be lined up on the baseline and Brad Stevens was handing out coffee. And I'm like, this is crazy. You have to grind. Quick story. I'm in um, Los Angeles, California. I take my nephew who graduated from Gainesville High School. He wanted to go on a trip. And I said, for you know graduation, I'll take you on a trip. We go to L.A. And we go to Manhattan Beach. So... Oh. I got I had I didn't have a change of clothes so I had on these like flower shorts that were just just bad look. So anyway, my buddy calls me up and he's like, "Yo, I got an extra ticket to the Drew League Championship." And I'm like, "Word?" He's like, "Yeah, you got to come right now." And I'm like, "Man, I got these flower uh shorts on." And he was like, "Yeah, it's in Compton." So and so I'm like I'm like, "You know what? I'm tough. I'll be there." So my nephew and I roll up and like I mean, the cars are like loaded, like everybody's in. We're in the hood. Mm -hmm. And my nephew's like, you think you're good with those shorts on? I was like, I'll be all right. So we walk in. It is packed. DJ's yeah. playing stuff. Place is going crazy. 
There goes warming up a Swaggy P. He's talking trash to everybody. And my nephew's like, man, this is crazy. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, I was like, it feels good for me to be in a basketball gym where I don't know anybody. I'm all the way yeah. in Los Angeles. Man, you know, I turn to my left, and this dude looks at me, and he's like, Meacham? And I'm like, Ronald Allen? <laughs> <laughs> and he daps me up. He's like, bro, where were you with those shorts? <laughs> I was like, Rod, man, look. I was like, look, man. He was a, you know how funny he is. He was like, I was like, man, I was, I was in Manhattan Beach. He was like, hey, man, say no more, man. It's all good. I, haven't, I have not seen that dude since his last game at UC, and we literally run into each other in L.A. in the Drew League two years ago. And we took a picture. I'll have to show you guys later in these shorts. But, Ronald, like you said, I'm going to tell you this story. Everybody in the Drew League came over and dapped up Ronald. He introduced me to Swaggy. Everybody, everybody knew Ronald. I mean, he was a legend, legend in that area. So I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, but but going into it, like you said, Terry, it is a lot of work on the coaching side. And I think a lot of former players got to figure that business side of it out. But I do think our next step is, is to get – a, a, a former player as a coach, but even get more guys like, you know, I, I always wonder, you know, and I, now my coach that I played for in there, so I know how you can feel that detachment from the school at that point, but, you know, the the, the Kenya Martins and, and mm-hmm. you know, Jason Max Seals, uh, you know, I know Steve Logan still come around, but I'm used to seeing him a little bit more. Uh, some of the some of those guys, too, to even come and bid more into the program. Yeah. Uh, but but I do know that take that take a lot more work and a lot of a lot of yeah. network there. But um, that that this program would be dope if if that could happen. Well, I think it's up to us to to reinstate the the men's basketball alumni again, and make it an independent group from the university, and just get everybody back involved, and then make them involved in the lives of the youth. Raise some money for scholarships. Um, have some events where our guys are coming back around and let them know, you know, because when I was a C Club president, I used to get all kind of flack that I would throw the best stuff for men's basketball. It would be nothing for track and all that. I'm like, no, I'm throwing stuff for track. I had ambassadors for track, and then football wanted to do their own thing, so they start having their own functions. But the whole thing was to get resources into every particular sport that was on campus to gather their alumni, have some functions for them, tailgate at this area. We're gonna have a party at this area, but. Athletes, when you put it down here for University of Cincinnati, you're going to tell that for the rest of your life. Right. It's part of your legacy. So right. it, that should be celebrated every year. And then the new people that come in should know about you, not from some business card from the advertising, but to come around and say, oh, yeah, that guy, this was the guy that was all-time leading scorer? <laughs> this guy was all-time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just a normal guy. I'm here supporting you. You can be the next guy. But look, I got a beautiful family. I got a wife. Mm-hmm. I got, I'm working at this company. Yeah. I, this is, you know, I drive this. These are connections. And, and like Ronald Allen, you know, I go places and you're constantly introducing me to people. You're constantly bringing people into the Bearcat world. And these people that probably never play on this level. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you deal with a lot of athletes. And every time I see you at a game, you're like, Terry, this is one of my players for so-and-so. And he's like, yeah, yeah. oh, my God, can I take a picture? He's taking a picture. He's yeah. afraid to touch me. He's afraid to touch <laughs> yeah. me. But he's sitting over there, and he's, like, taking the picture. And he's staring, and meets me while he's talking. And then, and then they walk away, and they're like, I got this picture. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. But it's one of those things where when you, when you make an impact on people, is is use your celebrity use your your platform yeah 
to help people because we still got, this is the mindset that we got to get from basketball players. I'm not talking about any other sport. Basketball players are the prima donnas of sports. The prima donnas. Because if I shoot a basketball right now, eight managers are running to try to get the rebound and pass it back to me. When, the, when, that, when your season, your career's over, the ball bounces, you got to go get your own stuff. Mm-hmm. You got to fend for yourself. Yep. Most basketball players have never held a job by the time they graduate college. Basketball is year-round. Mm. They've never held a job. So, yeah. So, are you teachable to, to go into your next phase of the career? Or is it something where I got to get into, you know, personal training? I got to do something that I know what I'm good at. Uh, okay, that's good. But are you going to get trained now? Are you just going to use everything you just did as a former player? Are you going to get certified? Are you going to make it a business model? Or are you just going to have a couple people that you get a couple dollars here and there and find your girl to leech off of the rest of your life? Like, let's, let's be real. Like, we got to have guys that want to take the next step. And, and to, to be a coach, there's levels to it. Yes, you played on this level. And, and you, you, you got some, some famous and success. And I look at guys like my man Melvin Levitt, who should have owned the city by now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he's got to get away from trying to be like Hulk Huggins and be Melvin. Mm-hmm. Melvin was one of the funniest cats around. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, highlight film and all this mm-hmm. stuff. But he's got to be Melvin. He's yeah. got to be accessible. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to be on time. He's got to, when, when stuff, when people want you to be somewhere, you got to be where you're supposed to be. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's just, and I'm not getting on Melvin. I'm using him as an example. But he is one of our most notable celebrities. He's, yeah. Hands down. I can ask any of my friends, right? It, it, just history. Outside of Kenya Martin. Okay, outside of Kenya Martin. They always ask me, man, I'm like, who, who's the most exciting player? The helicopter. No, no question. All the time. No All question. Time. I mean, my dad friends, my friends, the helicopter. Yep. And it's so funny because it's like, you know, they always ask me, you bumping, you, you ever seen? And I'm like, I don't. But I actually just saw him a couple of weeks ago. It was crazy, but it was good seeing him. But he should be more accessible because, yeah, yeah, that's when I that's when I caught him. I told my mom I was like, Corey Blunt was at the game. It was good to see him. Uh, Melvin was there. Melvin Levin was at the game. Yeah, I'm trying to. Sixty year old mom was like, Melvin Levin was at the game. She couldn't believe it. My, my dad loves Melvin Levin. So uh, you know, but those are the type of people, like you say, man, you gotta be accessible and, and understand, what, you know, how big their role are to a person like me. Yeah. yeah. So, I've got another question, and I'm gonna I want to start with oh, okay. JT and Keith. I'm gonna hold the former players for a second. Should college basketball players be paid? Man, I'm always. I mean, right now. Yes. Yes it. or no, JT? Okay, yeah. Pay them. <laughs> yes. Okay. Because, okay. Yeah, pay them. Pay okay. Why? All right. So, the thing is, all right. I, where I get torn at is, you know, Big Ten, you know, SEC. They bring so much money. You know, but if you're in the A-10, it's not as much. So it's almost got to be like a scale, like if they're going to do it like a scale, or they got to allow them to be able to generate their own money while they're in school in general. So like, you know, like when Ohio State got in trouble for like, all right, you got these sweet jerseys, I sold them to Keith, because Keith's my guy, I sold it to him for 150. Why should I get in trouble? Because I'm just selling merchandise that I'm getting for free because my mom doesn't have any money. I'm, my mom doesn't have any money. Um, my dad doesn't have any money to send me. I've eaten on ramen noodles even though I play for, you know, Ohio State. I mean, they got them on weight training, of course, or certain things. But you can't go earn your own dollar. Whereas, like, when I was in school, I could work at the library. You know, I could go work at wherever, you know, and I could at least make ends meet. Like, if I want to go kick it on the weekend, I got my own money. I ain't got to call my mom. I ain't got to call my daddy. Where they, you know, if that 
you know, financial aid check run out, you SOL. Whereas I think they have to get some kind of pay scale in general because, I mean, they make so much money off of the kids at the end of the day, you know. And then some people, like, you know, Kevin, Kevin Johnson, right? You played four years, yeah. you know, when you were at UC, you probably had the most earning power as far as, you know, you're going to, you're going to tournaments and stuff like that, where once you graduate, you still have that power, but it's not the same where you're an active player. So you don't get to cash in the same way as, you know, when it's over. You know, like, just think of UD when they made that run to the Elite Eight. You know, those kids could have cashed in and got a lot of stuff at that time, whereas now it's like, okay, where are you on that team? Like, then people are Googling and searching, where in the moment people kind of can, maybe if it's a small amount from, you know, Nike or whoever, they can get the direct benefit. And the school can still get a benefit of it, too. Like, if it's coming from major, you know, programs or, you know, major companies, like, you know, say P&G is like, all right, we're going to really sponsor UC. We want to give... Um, Jeremiah Davenport of whatever contract, but then you see gets kind of a brokering deal, like uh, something where it could kind of be like a win-win for everybody. But um, the Bearcat Basketball Podcast is presented by the Healthcare Management Group, and and, and Keith, my my question for you, I want to take more off of the, the the players being paid. Let's say you've got a student, and this is actually a real example, uh, full scholarship to go to CCM. Okay. Music student made an album, was performing and being paid to perform at Bogarts. Still full scholarship in CCM. Is there really a difference? No. I I, I would my answer to the to the no is the answer to that question. The previous question, no, they shouldn't get paid, but they should be able to use their likeness to do whatever the hell they want. So if Terry Nelson wants to hold his own camp and charge whatever the hell he wants, he has that right. If he wants to hold his autograph sessions twice a week at the Dicks in Kenwood, he can do that. Mm -hmm. Like however he can parlay his platform to put more money in his pocket, to put more money in his family back home, to give him some shoes, that's dope, to help mom pay the rent back home, whatever he needs to do to parlay that platform. I don't think it needs to be, I mean, because the, the difficult part is, when we start talking about paying athletes, is, you know, Desmond Ritter is worth a lot more than the star swimmer, right? So we got to figure out where that balance lies. But she has a platform as well. So let her go to the local YMCA's and do swimming lessons or whatever. Let them use their likenesses and their platforms to generate income from themselves. We don't have to worry about the NCAA getting involved or the money coming from the institution. Nah, I have a platform that I created for my hard work, you know, the, the work that I put in, you know, while Brandon is yelling at me, I'm enduring all of this to try to put wins on the, on the board. That's the platform that I created from my hard work. I'm going to use that to then go out and create, generate an income for me. And that's, I think that's the best way that we can, we can the most fair way to do it. And I like that. And, I, and here's one thing I want to point out too. I hear a lot of fans who say, no, the, the, the player shouldn't be able to do that or the player shouldn't be able to be paid. But my thing is everybody's making money off the athletes but the athletes. And I told that to a guy I, I know who's a fan, and he goes, that's that's not true. I'm not making money off the athlete. And I said, wait, wait, wait. 
didn't you tell me you bet on the Bearcats and won $1,000 one time gambling? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, you made money mm-hmm. off of Jeremiah Davenport right. hitting a three-pointer. That's right. Right? That's right. So in real estate, we got the same thing that's going on. So there's two different things about getting paid. Um, there's revenue share, and then there's profit share. And I, I left the company to go to a real estate company because they give you revenue share, and it's different. Uh, and profit sharing, if you were going to pay an athlete, and you say, we're going to pay you based on the profits, that means that after all the money is in, and they paid out all the, the bills and, and, and the, the loan that they got to give back to the foundation, and they paid all the coaches, and they paid all the staff, and they paid all that, if it's $100,000 left every year in that budget, then you're going to get a piece of that $100,000. You don't get the whole pie. You're going to get a piece of it. That's profit sharing. Revenue sharing is, I don't care what you put in. I'm getting 10% of everything that comes in. So if we go out and we raise uh, from donors $25 million a year, so a piece of that revenue comes into our pot. If we get shoe company money, that piece of that revenue goes into that pot. If we get ticket sales, if we get whatever it is that generates revenue, I get a piece of every bit of revenue that goes in there. Those are two different models. So if you're not going to give any of those models, uh, uh, a kid a choice of any of those models, then it comes down to likeness and image. Right. So what can I do? Well, there's, there's all kind of network marketing. There's all kind of different things you can do. Uh, one of the easiest things was going to a car lot and saying, hey, you know, we got several former Bearcats that are actually you know, selling cars right now. You can go over there, do an autograph signing and test drive this car, autograph signing, and win a chance to get some Bearcat tickets or whatever. You pay him $500, $1,500, whatever it is, to come out, sign for no, a couple no. hours, bam, money in his pocket. I think it's great. It ain't, it ain't coming out of no donor's pockets. The reason that they don't want it to happen on university levels is because it's going to cut off with – it's going gonna, it's gonna, to uh, hamper the giving. Because if they know, if I got a group of guys right now that are uh, in, a, in a group that donate money to University of Cincinnati, and if they had the option to give it to a player, for that player to graduate and to help them situation out while they're coming back to finish their degree, they'd give the money to that player. But they want to also fund a scholarship. They want to make sure that you know the money is going towards the next group of Bearcats, that they're able to come in and have a situation. It's no easy task. But it's, it's, if you got revenue share, it's good. If you got profit sharing, that's one thing. But if you got likeness and image, the universities and, and the presidents are starting to think, how are we going to get this done? Because for so long, we followed one model. And then like a, a, in a storm, 2020 hit, and LeBron met with the governor of, of California and, and started some stuff like, He's like, I, I agree with you, young progressive dude. He was like, yeah, I got you, LeBron, I'm signed this into act. And then all of a sudden, the NCAA says, whoa, wait a minute. Now the Blue Bloods, who have been paying people under the table all along mm-hmm. for forever, it's like, you just don't go to Duke because Krzyzewski, Krzyzewski yeah. got to that point because he's, you know, somebody's, I ain't going to put nobody's name yeah, out there, but yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. all I'm saying is, is, yeah. People have been busted by giving less to yeah. people. I mean, look at the whole, on record, Illinois back in the 87 when they had Marcus Liberty and, and, and Kenny Battle and, and Kendall Gill and all those guys. And they was paying guys hundreds of thousands of dollars to attend the university. Uh, Michigan, you know, the Fab Five, we got awarded national runner-up after the fact that Chris Webber received almost a quarter of a million dollars from a booster who later died the day, of, the day before he was supposed to actually go to court. 
talk about extortion and all this other stuff that was going on. He passed away, and Chris Webber didn't have any relationship with Michigan since when Juwan Howard and, and, and uh, Jalen Rose said, well, yeah, we got money. We got boosters that were helping us out. You're talking about kids from Detroit, kids from the hood. Yeah. So if they want to take us out, take us to get something to eat and put a little something in our pocket to hold us over, we've been the big homies have always been taking care of yeah. us. Like, why should you come in in your comfort and tell us, no, we can't have nothing, but you ain't giving us nothing. So I understand that. Yep. No, I, I, I'm just piggybacking off what Terry said. I like that. I like that. If, if it's not either profit or revenue sharing, out of likeness. Mm -hmm. I think just let, letting a person be. You, use the time. Use the opportunity. Because that's what you're really working at. You know, everybody, and, and this is what bothers me because I know the NCAA knows this, everybody is not going on to play, play the professional at the professional level. Uh, we, we, at that point, we all know it's normally, if you know, one or two guys, you, you can see it, okay? Um, and I, I'm talking of the big sports. I'm just mm -hmm. talking basketball and football, baseball. But all these other sports, no, no one is probably going to go pro. Or, you know, Olympics would be something. But outside of that, there, there, there's job force next. So while you do have the opportunity, I don't understand. You already do our ground signings, okay? So if we already got it set up, okay, who is that for? You know what I mean? That that should be something paid. Okay, we we talking about mental health, time to rest. That's time. Okay, that's time that you could genuinely just have mental health time hanging out. But you there playing with kids, helping with camps. You know, all that stuff I do think should be some kind of pot split between the players um, and being paid, because uh, that is time. And and I think at that level, um, you, you giving your time to the next guy is very important. I spoke at about 30 schools when I was a player. No, yeah. I'm, not, like, I'm just saying. So, so if you go to if 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 we're here at uh, Deer Park High School. So if Deer Park, I'm a I'm a player right now. If Deer Park wanted me to come in and do a school assembly, and he, the principal wanted to interview me or the athletic director or the coach, cut and a talk check about, and talk about whatever. Yeah, I'm gonna cut you a check. We only got five hundred. We only got a thousand. Hello. Hey. That's all the college kids want. The, the, the crazy thing, like with my perspective, okay, so I started college as an athlete and I ended college as a journalist. Mm -hmm. My life was vastly different and my freedoms were vastly different. So as an athlete, I can't go off campus and utilize my talents to get more money. Yeah. As a journalist, I can go off campus, get a paid internship with the Cincinnati Reds or WCPO that's building my network mm -hmm. and putting me in a better position post-college, yes. which is the whole point of college. Yes. The that, whole point of this is to, is to yeah. build these teenagers into good young men and to prepare them for whatever. Because 99.9% .9 of y'all ain't going to the league. Yeah, yeah, Sorry. 100%. So we need to do what we can do to prepare them for what's next and giving them opportunities to get off campus, use themselves to create a better network, to build, to prepare, to create opportunities for what's next. Like, stop stifling these kids. Let them build. You know, but I will say shout out to the University of Cincinnati for having my backs. You yes, know sir. T. Yes, Nail, sir. you know, Dr. Lucky, everybody, Andre. You know, I appreciate y'all guys, too. Doc. Yeah, free education is great. But I, but I will say this about the free education piece, and this is where I kind of fight people on. They say, oh, well, these student athletes go to college and they get a free education. Well, not all these players are there long enough to receive their degree, right? Yeah. They may be there like um, uh, 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 Dermar is there. Yeah. Dermar and I had a conversation, 
And when he came back to Cincinnati, he goes, I don't know anybody because I was only here six and a half, seven months. Yeah. I was in and I was out. So if you look at that one, okay, he's gone, and you look at other guys that leave, if there's a gap between the time you leave and come back, that scholarship isn't always going to be there mm -hmm. to get your degree. So that free education you're talking about really it's isn't there. Did. It's not free. So Speak it, on you that. get an education. Yeah. You come there in exchange for your talent, time, and, and ability. Well you get yes. you get an education. Yes. Free means that you sign a letter of intent and you didn't you didn't come to practice, you didn't come to the games, you didn't do nothing. You just signed a letter of intent and you went to class and never came into the gym. That's a free education. Yeah. Yeah. No, when I'm over there and I'm in practice and I'm getting chewed out and I'm running suicides and I'm lifting and I'm out there doing off campus work and I'm I'm in the community and I realize that all eyes are on me and I have to be a certain way because everybody's gonna be looking at me and and, and you know I have a responsibility to the brand that's on the front of mine mm -hmm. and then the name that I represent that 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 catapulted me here right so it's not free it's there's a there's an image that you are portraying or you're upholding but there's also like you represent so much more than yourself when you go to a university you represent KJ you represent Kenyon you represent mm -hmm. Alex you represent everybody that's ever put on a basketball jersey and a football jersey and a tennis jersey and you know it, you represent a fraternity of people because millions of people across the world never get a chance to play college sports more or less on this level and when you get out when you become an alumni I noticed from running the C club like they're, they're kids like they never get a chance to see them play and so when they come back, when they have to take them to, to look at the walls and see all the murals and, and look at the photos and they're, they're in black and white or they're, they're, they're in color or whatever, and they have to hear stories of how good their, their parents were. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's just totally different. Like, you got to respect that. Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, Terry, real quick, I want to give you a shout out. Um, my producer, Stu Holt, back here. We're, DJ we're, Stu. DJ Stu on the one and two. We're very, very close to... Um, releasing the audio book, uh, Walk of a Lifetime. So my, my book that came out uh, back in 2000. Simon recorded. Anderson. Yeah, Simon Anderson, God my publisher. Yes. Um, one of the great, great human beings ever come to the University of Cincinnati. And um, when I was putting together the audio book, it was important that I got some different voices on there. Um, I'm the voice 90, 85, 90% of the time, but um, Terry Nelson... Um, lended his voice um, on the book to uh, he read the parts of my basketball mentor who was Jerome Gray Jay Fresh. aka Jay Fresh and uh, Jay Fresh passed away he had a heart attack <clears throat> what was he was he 40 uh, he was well at the time let me see so what home was this six years ago man I can't I can't even so at the gosh, time he I can't probably remember how long it was 43 yeah, he was. 42, yeah, 42 he, for three. Yeah. He had a heart attack. He had well. The thing is, he had some some heart issues, and he had medicine. And apparently, he didn't take his medicine that day. And he was taking groceries out of the car, and then um, they found him by the car. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, Jay Fresh um, started out at Miami Oxford. He originally was from Toledo. Uh, went to Miami under Joby Wright, and then transferred in to UC and played with with Terry, um, and then. He stopped playing basketball because he was in DAP and he really wanted to get into fashion. And um, my mom worked in DAP, and uh, so I got to know him, and he became my basketball mentor. And without Jay Fresh, I do not make. 
the Bearcat basketball team. There's no no way. So I thought it was important that I, I had the voice of Jay Fresh on here, and it had to be Terry. So yeah, and I and I and I had to. I, I got the pleasure of giving a toast at his wedding. And so Jay Fresh used to come late to practice all the time, <laughs> you know, because he had work. I could do, I could, I could do the walk, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, he'd come in, you know, he'd be pigeon-toed and crooked lips and all that stuff, you know. He'd come in there a little late, and he'd try to run on the sideline and get loose, to, you know, so he can get on the second team, and he'd shoot around. And all one time he, he was shooting around, and he went and dunked and the, broke the rim. And he was like, hey, I think I'm in trouble. I was like, what? I just broke the rim. We was like, what? You broke the rim? We just broke it. I'm like, no, you broke the rim. And he was like, okay, is that cool? Is that cool? I'm like, man, they got a ton of these rims. But during 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 the wedding, he's sitting up, I, I gave a toast and I'm sitting over there and, I, and, I, and I'm giving the toast and I'm talking about how Jay Fresh used to come to practice late because he had, you know, responsibilities with the DAP program and, and he wanted to be a fashion designer and all that. Then I said, now look at him right now. I said, right now he's in a wedding and he's wearing his own clothing line. He created his own um, tuxedo. He made his own oh, tuxedo yeah, for that. his wedding. And everybody that. was like, oh, I see the tie. And I'm like, yeah, not only was an athlete. Now imagine if he was an athlete who was actually selling coaches suits. Custom making mm. suits and all this stuff, and mm. and a coach can you know pay you a thousand dollars a suit instead of paying three thousand dollars for some Armani mm -hmm. and all this stuff. He is he was what you wanted an athlete to be. He was very respectable. Oh, came man. when he was supposed to come, but also had responsibilities because he had a vision past basketball. Yeah, Jay, Jay Fresh was was the man. Yeah, rest in peace for sure. He was he was. I'll tell a quick story. He was so important to me. I'll never forget this. It's a two part story. So um, it's a five part podcast. What are you talking about? <laughs> this is gonna be a long podcast. Hey, I don't care. This is good content. This is by far the best podcast I've ever done. Like by far. Um, but so. Jay Fresh and I, he was helping prepare me to walk on. I hadn't made it as a walk on. He was helping prepare me. So he says, hey, come to my apartment. I'm going to get some wings, and, and I got an idea for you. So we sit down, and he goes, in order to play for the Bearcats, you need that dog in you. He's like, so I want you to watch somebody. And I'm like, all right. He's like, I want you to watch Allen Iverson. Hmm. And I'm like, really? And AI's at, you know, Georgetown. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, like, you know, I'm kind of hip to AI, but I'm not like really super into him. He's like, you're going to study every move. So I started recording every, every Georgetown game. I'm watching every Allen Iverson. I had his crossover move like down to a T. I even have a notebook in which I draw out how he steps every time. So I go back to Jay Fresh. I go, I got it figured out. He's like, what'd you figure out? I said, his crossover. <clears throat> I was like, it's all about his footwork. Mm. I was like, the arms and all that, that's just whipped cream. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's yeah. an illusion. Yeah. And he goes, so, so, so he, I pop in with the tape and I'm watching. So I'll, I'll tell the rest of that part of the story. But then we're watching Georgetown's playing UMass and they had Marcus Camby and this guy named Edgar Padilla. Yeah, it was best UMass. So they have a guy named Edgar Padilla. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you remember that game, but uh, AI dunks on Canby. Well, Edgar Padilla and I kind of favored each other at the time. So we're watching it. Jay Fresh is like, and he's real cool. He's like, man, you kind of <laughs> look like Edgar Padilla. <laughs> and I was like, dang. I was like, you're really going to laugh at this. I hope you guys know who this is. I was like, who did they tell you you look like? He's like, Montel Jordan. <laughs> I was like, this is how we do it? 
was like Montel Jordan. Montel Jordan. In the high top fade. Did he not look like Montel Jordan? He was our team barber, and it took him an hour and a half to cut hair, man. He's like, he'd start clipping, and he'd take a little step back, and he'd look to the side, he'd adjust the light, then he'd like do a couple more, then he'd stop telling a story. I'm like, dog. Hey, man. All you had to do was give him a 40 ounce. You know, give him a 40 ounce, and he'd be like, he'd be sipping it. And it take an hour and a half to drink the four. By the time he finished, he'd be like, tell me how that look, yo. Hold on, sit right down one more time. Where was he from? Hey, Jay Fresh. He's from Toledo, Toledo. originally. He, so I run into, I'm in L.A., another L.A. story. I'm in L.A., and I run into Jimmy Jackson, Jim Jackson, that okay. played Ohio State in the league. I run into him at the Fox studio in L.A. Jim doesn't know me from anybody. I stopped him. I'm like, hey, man. I was like, uh, I, I, my mentor was Jerome Gray. And he was like, what man i talked to jim jackson for about 35 minutes on how much respect he had for jay fresh yeah. and his family man he was just such a good dude last part of my story i worked on all those Allen iverson moves all right and i'm gonna cuss on this my first week at uc playing in practice trying to get to the lane hugs blows he don't have a whistle but he kind of stops play he goes oh, 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 hold on and he comes over to me and he he just starts pointing a three-point line he says you see this line right here? I was like, yeah. He said, don't ever fucking go inside that line ever again. And I was like, what? I was like, coach, I'm not a three-point shooter. Well, you better learn to be. So I called Jay Fresh. I said, Jay Fresh, man, I tried to cross somebody over, and Hugs told me don't go inside the lane. He's like, yeah, well, my bad. He's like, that's true. He had you you watching the right player, though. Yeah, he had me watching the right guy. Just the right situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hugs Hugs did not want me inside that. But, uh, yeah, RIP Jay Fresh. And thank you again for being the voice. That means a lot to me. Um, Quick question. I know the fans are going to love this part, but – and don't mean to exclude any of your yeah. teams, but um, who would win? Oh, boy. The 1992 Bearcat team or the 2000 Bearcat team? Mm. That was going around on Twitter. It was going around on Twitter. That's Kenyon. Kenyon. Pete Michael. Dermar. So I heard this, and I heard this because they're going back and forth. And he was like, dude, we had five. He said, we had five NBA draft picks. Mm-hmm. And so the reason that Flight White was saying, you know, we, we we'll get y'all because we had five first, you know, five NBA draft picks. That was Dermar that was Dermar saying, was that. saying yeah. that. We had five first round draft picks, and I'm like, and yet y'all still lost in the first round of the playoffs. So, <laughs> so, so, so it, it's it wasn't the the amount of um, it wasn't the amount of NBA draft picks we had. You know, we had two. Then Herb and Eric went overseas. Buford went overseas. He would have been an NBA player to make Boston's roster if he didn't break his wrist. But it was about the, the talent that you have and the roles that they master and how they bring their talent together for the sake of winning. Sure. When you had that team, um, you know, Kenny Satterfield was doing his things. You know, Kenny used to get mad because he was out there killing ants, you know, just, just dribbling, <laughs> dribbling, doing that New York stuff. And, and, you know, Pete Michael wanted to be the man and mm-hmm. DeMar wanted to be the man. It, it was like one ball and all that talent. I mean, he just he, that team was loaded. You had uh, uh, who else you have? Uh, Gosh, there was uh, Stokes on the bench. Stokes was there. D. Little. Had Logan. Yes. D. Little was there. He wasn't Logan yet. Yeah, but he was yes. Logan. Yeah, Logan was there. So oh, talent wise, yeah, oh my goodness! I mean, it wasn't like they went undefeated. So right. they still had to work out their stuff. So in retrospect, you always look back and look at all that talent, all that talent. But when it came to the court stuff, 
A lot of times they got it done. A lot of times they didn't. It was a different time of uh, college basketball. Very different. So pitting Bearcat teams against Bearcat. No, give me the 2000 UC team versus the 96 Xavier team that had, you know, West and all them guys or whatever. Mm -hmm. Those kind of teams, like, Match those up. Don't don't match up UC legends with yeah, other yeah, UC yeah, legends yeah, because it's yeah. different eras. You're talking about yeah, good. We we took yeah. So the, 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 in perspective, we come back from the Elite Eight, Final Four, and Elite Eight, ninety two and ninety three. Um, JUCO players, transfer players. The next year, he had two All Americans: Marco Wright, D'Antonio Winfield. They had David Evans, who was the Chicago Player of the Year. Mm -hmm. They had all this talent. Uh, uh, um, um, Damon Flint, McDonald's yep, All-American. Darnell Burton. Come in. Darnell Burton. Darnell came in. So all this talent come in. Mm -hmm. And they did not win as much because Huggins was trying to do the stuff that he did with us. Mm -hmm. And he, he could ride us as hard as he could ride us because we couldn't transfer. We were JUCO kids and we had no more transfers in us. <laughs> Them guys, he's mm -hmm. trying to yell at D'Antonio. D'Antonio's yelling back. And they almost went to blows several times. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, man, we taught me like that, player. Yeah. You know, you know, a high voice. <laughs> And them going at it, he could not coach them the same way because all American guys wanted the offense ran through them. And they could not get the offense. <laughs> My bad, Antonio. <laughs> I'm telling them too. Hey, man, don't be. Uh, hey, man, play, play. Antonio, we should go. We should sit at prime time. And Antonio would sit up at prime time and watch the dance floor. And he'd be sitting over there and he'd be so like insecure. Like, hey, man, what what, what, what be talking about, man? Hey, why you get mad at me for practice, man? I be out there going hard. Hey, just give me the ball, man. Hey, it might not be going. I'm saving all my energy for practice, man. I ain't. I'm trying to go out. I said, you can't save your energy at UC. Uh -uh. Like, <laughs> you get no. energy by giving energy. But yeah, he crazy, man. Hey, he was going to hit me for real, player. He was going to hit me. I said, yeah, he was probably going to hit you. I'm going to tell you what. T, I need to thank you again because you hooked up my interview with D'Antonio Wingfield, and it was one of the best player interviews that I did. He was he's he's really in a great space right now as a as a person. Great dude, great dude, man. And he's he's reached out to me on several occasions just to say hello and and stuff like that. And I didn't know I never got a chance to know him because he was in and out, and I hadn't yeah, I hadn't I played yet. Yeah, great. He was really, really, really a great, uh, great interview. Um, this is, this is great. This is, uh, like I said, and I, and I truly mean this. This is my favorite podcast that I've done this far because I think we we covered a lot and a uh, lot of lot of great people here. So. Um, we athletes, man. We passed our food a lot, man. You gotta have some food and drinks in here next time, man. Gosh, hey, I, I, you know? I, I gave you. Well, I do. I, the drinks. Hour and a half, two hours after you gotta eat. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to say we need to pay to say <laughs> pay, <laughs> pay to get. <laughs> Is it? Alright. Hey, I, th I thank you. It's 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 uh it's been it's been great. If uh we could do this real quick, um I wanna go around just and tell people um exactly how to get your content, how to get a hold of you, um, anything you want to tell them that you're doing. Uh KeithJenkins.com is probably the best way to find all of my work. I'm on uh Twitter most often, Instagram a little bit, Facebook, Mr. Keith Jenkins, Mr. Keith Jenkins. Um, and then Cincinnati.com is, is, is who what pays the bill. So uh, shout out to the Enquirer. Shout out to them for not forcing me to put out a anonymously sourced story tearing down the program. Because um, that's not what I do. I got 
I got uh, standards and ethics and That's right. morals and nah. But seriously, like I, I'm, I'm very happy to be back in my hometown covering a legendary program that you guys mm-hmm. built, um, and it's just been a pleasure to be here. And I'm looking forward to many, many more seasons and years to come. Tnl33 on IG, Twitter, um, just about every platform, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, buy and sell with Tnl.com for real estate. I do real estate. I'm a realtor uh, with EXP, so it's agent owned. So if you're thinking about getting into real estate, you want to come join our team. Come join me. Uh, we we got plenty of room for you. If you're thinking about buying and selling, uh, you got to go with a Bearcat. There's no other man you should go with. Uh, if you need a car, we'll find you another Bearcat to get a car from. But if you're gonna buy a house, you buy and sell with Tnl. There you go. I love it. I like that little slug. Buy and sell with T Nail. Better go buy and sell. Uh, but uh, Kevin Johnson here, and uh, IG is Bev underscore I am, and then uh, Twitter name is uh, Capo underscore I am. And just keep a lookout. Continue to do color analyst, and uh, hopefully be catching me on some other podcasts. Too, by the way. find me a little bit everywhere so Tina I'm a um, piggyback off you man I'm a real not realtor but I'm a mortgage loan officer for US okay. Bank so you know refis and purchases I'm gonna use some cars man I can help your people out and um all y'all if I got refis and purchases let me know <laughs> and then uh you know with this Bearcat stuff you know hit up the front office news.com you're gonna see all my work there I'm all over the place I'm gonna be long-winded you get front office news on IG, front office news on Twitter, and if you want me personally, underscore JT underscore Smith. And that sucks because I'm a Smith because that's why I got all this underscore. So, but yeah, hit me up, man. I appreciate everybody's love and you know sharing posts and commenting. You know, I just did this, just um, started the site just off of love and covering the covering sports in general. Yeah. Yeah, well, I appreciate all you guys and appreciate you being on this season and hopefully we can get you on many more this coming season. So I appreciate all the fans there for listening to the Bearcat Basketball Podcast presented by the Healthcare Management Group. I want to thank everyone for listening to season two of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. Once again, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. I'm on Snapchat, Big Meach 41. And I'm now dancing on TikTok, at Alex Meacham 41. I appreciate everyone listening to the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. Go Bearcats! <laughs>